Hello, this is Katherine Flagenheimer, manager here at Morning Radio. A low buzz is audible in the background during the beginning of this episode, but should be gone by around 10 minutes in. On behalf of the entire team, I apologize for this inconvenience and assure you that those responsible have been taken out back and shot. Thank you, and have a nice day. Morning Project presents. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. GVGP episode 55 is about to get underway. Five months removed from our last recording and seemingly dozens of new releases, many of which are AAA titles and some Game of the Year contenders, have been released in that time frame. We haven't seen a year as crazy as this since 98 or 2001. We can dive into that later. It is becoming overwhelming, and gamers around the world are all battling the ultimate boss, the limited number of hours in the day. Amid a silent recession and depression, we can all escape reality for the next couple hours as Molly and I catch up, share our thoughts on the current landscape, and more in the latest episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. Arguably, that intro I did is essentially null and void because the reality is of what we're actually going to be talking about because there's been so much. It seems like, you know, much like the world news, the, the world of video gaming is not short on stories. What, what, do we,、uh, there's nothing going on in the world right now. What are you talking about? There's <laughs> absolutely nothing happening. I mean, there's so many other things that that introduction sheds no light on in, in no particular order from. The Xbox leaks, physical media continuing to die, Hideki Kamiya leaving platinum, around 15 or 18% of、uh, Epic's workforce going away due to excessive spending, as they say.、Uh, I mean, so many things. Square Enix still belly aching. They, at first, they boasted about FF16's sales. Of several million or in the first couple weeks, and now it's not enough anyway. Physical media going away? Yeah, it's.、Uh, and on top of all those things, the multiplayer in Sonic Superstars is the worst thing. So. Happening <laughs> right now. What's the deal on that? Is one able to do up to four players simultaneously, much like the upcoming Mario Wonder? Yes. And, and okay, so.、Uh, can, I, can I guess what the problem is、sure. and then I'll let you speak? Sure. Is it too fast paced and chaotic for four what? characters in the Sonic universe to be on screen at one time trying to do their own thing? Do you think that could possibly be the problem in making a multiplayer Sonic game? No. So that, that tells us <laughs> so, without overthinking it. So, okay, so I. I、um... My, my, my daughters and I played through the first four acts. 90% of our time playing was one of my two daughters saying, Where am I? Where am I?、Wow. And having to mash a button to get back onto the screen.、Uh, like, as you might imagine, like, trying to have four characters all dashing through the stage doesn't work. And. Boy, there's a whole lot of things in that game on those stages that are designed to send your character flying even faster、uh, towards the goal. Right. And so, yeah, so I, I think like the majority of our time playing was seeing two icons at the bottom of the screen saying, 
press X to rejoin the person who's in the lead. That's terrible. Uh, and and when you get to the bosses, and this is great. This this is amazing. Um, any anybody who gets off screen during the boss portion cannot revive during the boss. And the very first boss you encounter in the entire game is a boss that's making you run as fast as possible away from it. So, so the very first boss we get to, two of the three of us were instantly gone. Wow. And then if you're if you're on a boss that's stationary, like uh, there's a part where you're fighting a big robotnik robot, or I should say Eggman robot. Uh, if you get off the screen in that part, then you're out of the boss fight as well. Because at least in when we were playing, the game didn't differentiate you're being off screen when the screen's not moving. So the minute one of the two of us, it was like there was two of us trying to fight the boss and one of us went <clears throat> too far off screen and they were just gone as well. What is it? Almost looking for any excuse to eliminate a player to get someone off the screen? And then the fourth stage in the game that you get to is a stage where you hit parts where everything but a small circle around one of three characters is darkened out. It's like in a dark cave. And I don't know how it determines who to put the light around, but basically if you don't stay, the three of you don't stay exactly together... Then two of you are going to, or, or three, I should say, in the four-player game. Then three of you are going to be in the darkness, have no idea where you're at, and then get lost, and then have to revive yourself. It's a mess. And as a four-life Sega fan, it 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 destroys me that this is the game that comes out like a week before a new four-player 2D Mario game comes out. It's so stupid. That is no doubt going to be, like, a hundred times better to play. Even as somebody who we all know does not like Mario. I mean, I don't know how many more times I can sound like a broken record and, and say this again and again every every time a new Sonic comes out, but what is it, summer of 2017, Sonic Mania was... I mean, why, why are we not getting Sonic Mania 2? Because... I mean, you have to believe, even though they say this is not the case, you have to believe that, I mean, just just being realistic here is that Japanese Sonic Team sell a bunch of foreigners, make a, a new Sonic game that everybody loved, and that bugged them. Uh, yeah, I was going to just say, is it? do you think it's the pride thing still? Like, I, I, think, I think it has to be on some level. But but it's so weird because we've said this before as well as that. I always say this. Sonic Mania is arguably the, the best Sonic game ever made. But the big caveat to that statement is Sonic Mania wouldn't exist if Sonic 1 through 3, Sonic CD and Knuckles didn't exist. Meaning that launch pad, that foundation had to be there in order to get this kind of greatest hits of Sonic Mania on steroids and modified. So as long as you accept that, I mean, it was the Japanese-based games. Yeah, but that, that, but, but that was as... a completely different Sonic team, though. I mean, that's 
Oh, that's, okay. you're, you're talking you, like, I, I'm sorry. We're talking like okay, Yuji Naka uh, era, and you're talking about um, then, weirdly mm. enough, Bark Cerny era with Sonic 2. You know, so right with say STI or whatever. Yeah, so you, you know, I mean, I I think it's just part of it. Like, I I have to feel like there was some, you know, something inside Sonic Team that just like we're not like new era Sonic Team, where it's like we're just not making games that are resonating with people. I mean, outside of outside of a few, you know, like what is it like Sonic Generations? I know people like. There were elements of that I enjoyed, and then since we're on this topic, the ones that were on, um, well, timeout. There was a couple entries on GBA that were solid, and then the ones on DS. Yeah, the GBA ones definitely were not Sonic Team. I don't think the DS one was Sonic Team. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Sonic Rush or whatever. Yeah, um, but. Like, I feel like until, funny enough, Sonic Frontiers, like, I just feel like there hasn't really been that many, like, really, like, just iconic Sonic games in the new era. And, and to, you just said Sonic Mania, in your opinion, was the best Sonic game ever. And, like, that has to rub the Japanese team the wrong way. You know, the fact that they have not made a game that has really resonated with people and then... These foreigners come along, not even not, not even just foreigners, but fans, right? Right. Like when you got a bunch of fans making something that then is more beloved than the official games coming out in the series. Like I think that bothered them. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, since we're on the Sonic topic, I can't believe we're spending this much time. And real on quick, this I, I, real quick, I just yeah. want to say before you go on, I just want to say yeah. um, I have not played Sonic Superstars single player. I have heard that oh. it is a much better game solo. So okay. if that's all you care about, then then play it that way and it might be great. But multiplayer and also we played the battle mode and the battle mode was awful in my opinion. Um <laughs> but we haven't spent much time with it. But so multiplayer wise, I'm I'm hating it so far. Single player might be a great game. I don't know. Let me ask you this. Uh you know, we've just touched base on you know when when you say greatest sonics of all time, you know, you usually get one of a few answers from people of our era. Uh, you know, there's always the original that some people have a soft spot for, but it's always Sonic 2, Sonic CD. Um, th- those are kind of the, 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 the Sonic 2 or CD. Uh, I, I think I think that, three and three and Knuckles are pretty beloved. Uh, and I think that's and I think that's a fair answer as well. With the yes, that said, we're on the same page there. Are people or some people looking back with rose tinted glasses? At the original Sonic Adventure. Mm. Because I'll make this clear. I thought Sonic Adventure visually... Like, if you watch, like, the trailer for it, or you watch, like, when Sonic goes through the loop in 3D, mm-hmm. uh, even present day, it the art style has still, for the most part, aged well. It still looks pretty good. And watching it in motion, admittedly, is pretty fantastic. But playing that game... As I recall for many aspects of it, you probably know what I'm going to say. You're fighting the camera. And mind you, that game is now rapidly approaching a quarter century old when Mario 64 was only three years, three to four years old. Mm-hmm. But I don't know at what point peop- some people decided to put Sonic Adventure on that list of greats. So I, I, I think there's a few things 
and to to be fair, like I've not really played Sonic Adventure. Um, I played it enough to know I didn't like it, and then just kind of just didn't touch it anymore. Okay, yeah. So but, okay, I, so I think yep. part of it might be that it was the first Sonic 3D game, and that right. there's a lot of nostalgia based around that. Part of it was it was the launch title for the Dreamcast, and Dreamcast was the final Sega, Sega system. And there's nostalgia around that, but I wonder if part of it is. And I, I don't, I'm saying I don't, I don't know, but looking at kind of later Sonic 3D titles is what it felt to me like was with Sonic Adventure, they didn't overthink how to do it. Right. They're like, just, let's just take Sonic and put him in 3D. Right. And there were issues, like you're saying, the camera wise, for example. And then I think from there, I think they started trying to overthink it about like, how do you make a 3d sonic right right like we started getting the the lock-on option where so many 3d sonic games now have this kind of hit button to attack hit button to attack hit button to attack and it's like this like you're flying around locked on to everybody and there's not like any much much skill involved in that and then you had like okay now sonic's a werewolf now sonic's on these kind of weird stages now sonic's doing this crazy thing and so I wonder if it's just like that was still a a more pure sonic experience, even though it was maybe not a great one. And it's, well, it's funny you say well, I know you I know this from a, a design and gameplay perspective, but it's so funny you mentioned the lock on aspect. But the lock on aspect kind of goes back to what I was just complaining about in the camera on on Sonic Adventure. That lock on, I would argue, is utilized. To make it easier for you to pinpoint and nail right. your enemy, because if you're doing that free flow, you're going to miss most of the time. But it does also make it feel a little bit like a QTE kind of thing, where yep. it's like less skill based. Yeah, more, yeah, correct. Where it's more about hitting the button in time versus actually. Right. And I think you know the the I think the problem is just like there's some of these games that just. It's been really hard to figure out how you make this in 3D, right? Like, it's it's this a lot of it. Ha, we've said it a million times over the. It's a lot of it. It's it's because of the speed of yeah. Sonic. But also, I mean, like like look at uh, like Mega Man, right? Like, where's 3D Mega Man? Like, why has Capcom outside of the Legend series, which I did like, but those were completely different things, like. Why have we never had proper 3D Mega Man from Capcom? It maybe just a case of like, there's a kind of gameplay that you just can't bring over, right? Because like, is Mega Man the same game when Mega Man's just running around a field? You know, like like mm. is that still Mega Man? And there's just mm-hmm. some of these older games that like I think have never been able to come over to 3D properly. And I think Sonic is 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 a, a tough one. And even like Mario, right? It's like we're getting ready to get Super Mario Brothers Wonder. And we're, we're getting that because on some level, you, you, Nintendo still can't do in 3D what Mario did in 2D, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They're, even though, yes, even though they set a benchmark and revolutionized... That is a good point. In in almost 2024, 
we are still getting a new 2D perspective Mario. Right, because it's just because like and that's nothing against the dead 3D Mario games. Right. But they're they're different things in those old 2D games. And I think that Nintendo recognizes that. And so there's still value in, in, in 2D Mario. Um but maybe with Sonic, but maybe Maybe it's just Sonic uh, doesn't work in 3D because of how I, I will going. say now we'll, we'll kind of transition to Mario a little bit. Um, while I have not completed this game and I did not play it when it was new because I never owned a Wii. The several hours I did play of it, I have to tell you. The level design and sphere based structure in Mario Galaxy was genius I, I couldn't believe it it's a very weird concept and talking about it out loud or maybe th- or writing it down on paper you'd be like why but uh, I would make the argument you know we're talking about video games and escaping reality and it's like if you think about a lot of things in gaming or Mario in particular you may be left asking why as to how weird it is or conceptually but Mario Galaxy was um I was impressed because the way it because the way it works and I thought this and then I did some research on it after due to primarily being on a sphere based environment in many ways you don't have to battle the camera because of the perspective always being on the outside of that sphere. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds convoluted. But so anyway, I, I had to throw that out there. My only complaint I've had from Mario's after Mario 64, not including Mario 64. You ready for this? Mario himself talks too much, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and that's really my only complaint. Hey, they got rid of his I, voice I, actor. So I, and I got nothing against him. And he just ironically, he just retired. Yeah. I know you're not a big Mario fan, so you're probably not the person to ask. But I feel like they've given him too many one-liners or too. What do you think? Yeah, like it, I mean, it's just it's just one of those characters that that like I I think if you give Link a voice, it makes sense. <clears throat> but I just don't know, like like how much is Mario going to talk? And 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 <laughs> as as have you seen the Mario movie? Are you ready for this? I've only seen a couple minutes. I have not seen it yet. So we actually we actually watched it, and um, as much hate as Chris Pratt got going into that movie, like I I kind of I kind of understand the decision they made. Like I I didn't really have a problem with his voice. Um, it's just because like he had a his his voice in games was a voice made for these quick little audio clips right right? and like you can't have him talk that much and when you do like that voice i think would get really annoying really quickly absolutely 90 to 120 minutes of that it would be it'd be grating on the ears yeah but um well sonic aside can't believe we uh got sonic superstars in there um let me see here. Uh, you know, I'm not going to bore everyone with all the stuff I've been playing because I've been doing dribs and drabs and everything. I will say this. The game that's kind of impressed me the most the last month has been uh, Armored Core 6. Great game. 
Yeah, it feels it feels that. so good to control. Like it just yeah. feels so so like it's a little overwhelming at first, and um, also the game doesn't do a good job of telling you how to fight the first boss. Oh, which is right. is frustrating. Right. But once you right. get past that, like it's a it's a great game, and 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 you know I'm somebody who's never played Armor Core before, but I've I've had a blast with it. Um, yeah, it just it feels so good to just kind of fly around the screen and and take out people and stuff. And I like I like the mission structure and everything. So yeah, yeah, I've been enjoying that. And then um, like from from software can do no wrong for me right now. Yeah, they they've been on a roll. Um, I'll come back to I guess some other stuff I've been playing later. There's there's so much news here. I don't know where you want to start. Well, off, uh, but I Li- guess... Liza P. Uh, speaking of from games, Liza P. is also great. Oh, you can take the floor ben, on that. Ben... Oh, really, I'm surprised. It really. So, so you you oh, yeah. you have the yeah. Floor. It's it's really good. Like um, and you know, and I think it's kind of a little more closer to like a Bloodborne than a than a Dark Souls or anything. Mm. But uh, cool. that's. It's there's a, there's a few things where I think I kind of miss there's a few times when I miss the the storytelling of From Software because I, I think they get a little stereotypical in Lies of P sometimes with the way they're they're doing the story but um, gameplay is really really good there's a lot of really neat ideas in terms of like the weapon modification stuff and just the various systems that they have going on and the upgrades and stuff like that. Um, so that's good. Uh... I'll throw it in there while you're thinking. I won't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, in terms of beautiful pixel art uh, by, a, I believe, a French-Canadian development team, everybody should at least check out the heavily Chrono Trigger-inspired Sea of Stars. Yeah, you kept mentioning that, and I finally did look at it, and it looks really neat. Yeah, the sprite work on that, and as everyone knows, I'm really picky when it comes to that. The sprite work uh, and feel of Sea of Stars, the color palette. Uh, I would say take Chrono Trigger, high-level pixel art, and mix it with a little bit of classic working designs humor at times. And you kind of have Sea of Stars. Mm. That is definitely worth uh, taking a look at. I think it's for Premium Plus or whatever the hell it is. It was on PlayStation uh, last month. It's on all formats, Switch, Xbox, uh, PlayStation. It might be on Game Pass, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I think it, I'm going to say it is. I think, I think it is. Uh, physical editions, Asian English versions come out on Play Asia uh, early December. And then stateside, uh, we're supposed to get some sort of version physically first quarter 2024. Hmm. Oh, oh! I also played uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. Uh, I have been very slowly still chipping away at that. Um, I, you know, I it's it's kind of gotten some mixed opinions on it. Uh, I I really like it. I do too because I really like the characters and I, I like what yep. they did with them. And I, I think I think there's points where they could have done better, but to me, like that story and those characters. It almost, in a way, reminds me of of twelve, of like why I liked twelve. Because, oh yeah, yeah. From a from an artistic uh, yeah, because it just felt like it had a, it 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 didn't feel so anime y if I if mm-hmm. I say it that way, you know. Right. Because I actually I actually did kind of in the end I I didn't hate fifteen. It had problems, 
Um, but it was still very much like, you know, like it just felt very tropey in certain ways. Whereas, and, and uh, I mean, I hate to well, say, I'll it. say this on, 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 um, 16. I'm glad you said something about the characters. I think a very special praise needs to go to the voice actors for Clive and Sid. Yeah. Yeah. Because they really, they really, if, I mean, could you imagine if they didn't nail Clive and Sid with their dialogue and uh, their relationship, so to speak, you know, throughout that game, that, that would have destroyed the, the game. Yeah. Um, but like, like, and, and <laughs> to get myself in trouble again, like, I, it does feel a little more of a Western RPG, but I, I tend to really like, and this goes back to Final Fantasy XII, it goes back to Dark Souls. I kind of like those Japanese developed RPGs when they have a little bit more Western influence. And so you're kind of getting right. both sides coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, versus just the, uh, you know, like lightning and her friends kind of stuff. I I always thought not, I always thought lightning was kind of the female cloud. She absolutely was the female cloud. Yeah, and I will say this: not uh, I'm, while I'm not. The I mean, expert, I mean it's, isn't the, the, the joke like? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is not a joke, and I just am making it up. But I, I swear, like it was like Nomura wanted to have sex with Cloud, but felt weird about having sex with Cloud, so he made lightning so that he could have sex with Cloud. I don't. I don't know. I, I will say this on thirteen. The visuals in that game are still pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah. I'm just talking from, you know, a, a graphical perspective. Um, that said, you know, a lot of so much time has passed, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that people forget 15 was originally what started out as Final Fantasy versus 13. Yeah. That was part of the Nova Cristalla project. Yeah, so that I, th- you know, that's a part of its. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to say identity crisis or its ups and downs to to finally get to where we got. Um, as for six, as for uh, sixteen, before I forget, if with all these numbers, Jesus, sixteen is essentially. If you ever wondered what Final Fantasy would be with heavily platinum games inspired combat and designs at times this is it i i can see a little bit yeah well there's a i don't even think this is a spoiler i had a laugh so the uh you know your they're not called the icons the summons right i had a laugh because i wasn't even thinking about it one of the attributes you get a few hours into the game i'm like oh my god this is devil trigger <laughs> yeah yeah. You know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about, it's, right? Yeah, it's, it's very Devil Trigger, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess, yeah, I guess for me, like, I mean, because I, I understand where you're coming from for the Platinum thing, but I think for me, and people are going to say they're from different people, so you're an idiot, Molly, and, and I know that, but I see a kind of through line from going from, like, Final Fantasy Tactics to, uh, uh, oh, God, What's uh Vagrant Story. Yes. To The World of What Ivalice. Yeah, to Final Fantasy twelve and a few games in there, to the the rebirth of Final Fantasy fourteen, 
to this mm, game. Like yeah, the it's, add-on content. It's just because yep. like it's it's that it's that other side because you got the one side of Final Fantasy that that's very um, Nomura and mm-hmm. Kingdom Heartsy, right? And Final Fantasy VII remakey and things like that. And then you got the other side that was kind of that much heavier storytelling and much broader cast of characters that came from like that the tactics and 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 stuff yes. like that and so that's that's what that's what kind of is interesting to me for the game is that it's 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 that side of final fantasy and not the ff7 advent children ff13 side right so hmm Anyway, news. Well, we do agree on that. What's going uh, on? Speaking, I guess I can use this as a transition real quick. I don't think this is going to take long because we did get the, we found a way to squeeze platinum in there because they they wound up they were involved with uh, sixteen secretively until it came out. Kamiya got pissed and and took his his bayonet at home. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll read this here in a second. But did you watch the video? No haven't oh you did not no. okay well i mean okay i'll i'll so the latest news here uh this is about seven to ten days old but uh, as we record this this is now a reality as of yesterday there was a press release put out by platinum games or a blurb i should say which said we regret to announce that hideki kamiya will be leaving platinum games on october 12th 2023 we are truly grateful for his creative ideas, leadership, and contribution to the growth of Platinum Games from our startup to this very day. We believe that he will continue to succeed in his future endeavors as a game creator. We are looking forward to seeing the game industry grow into a better place with him in it. We wish him all the best for the future. See, I, I had originally, and I thought people also mentioning this, is like... Is uh is Tencent the company who's buying everybody up, like Japanese market people? I don't think I think it's Tencent. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's the Chinese based yeah. company, correct? Because first, like, I was like, is he going to Tencent, and is that, is that why he's leaving? But he's got that no compete clause, right? Which I don't think Tencent would would just have someone like Kamiya sit around for a year. Like, if it was like a Kojima, that'd be one thing. But now this is weird to me because like I just I. Like, I can't imagine Platinum without him, you know, um, for good or bad. So it's it's like, it's just, this is a weird thing, and I'm wondering what's going on. Like, did he just get sick of being there? Is he having disagreements with, like, new management? Is it just that his games haven't been doing well? Or, or what is it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, um... Well, I shouldn't say I don't know. I will say he did sound like me a lot in the subtitled interview I watched where one of the big things he was happy about was he didn't have to sit in boring meetings anymore <laughs> in the morning. Uh, it did show him, I dare say, leaving Platinum, leaving with a crate full. And I'm not kidding when I say this, like his plushies, some of his toys or what have you. Mm-hmm. And then there's a guy or whomever is holding the camera <clears throat> and he discusses why he left or, you know, he's leaving he says he's leaving for, quote, reasons, you know, obviously of which he can't divulge. He's There's one year of which he can't, uh, you know, create games or whatever, so to speak. But he's been spending a lot of time unemployed, 
watching Netflix streaming services. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's a little bit of uh, humor in there. Now, the weird thing in that video, if I understood it correctly, is even though he's officially gone now, he decided to make the decision three months ago. Right. Which I believe would have been like July. And I could be misunderstanding this, but I almost feel like he's primarily been sitting it out since July. Because he did even, now that I'm thinking about it, make mention of using paid vacation. When did Bayo 3 hit? Uh, almost uh, October 28th, 2022, okay. I believe, or the 30th, okay, so a almost a year ago. Okay. Um, don't forget, and, I, and this is so funny, I have this and I haven't even cracked the seal. Don't forget, earlier this year, I bet you forgot already, as did I, Bayonetta Origins, Cereza, and the Lost Demon came out. I did not forget because of putting putting together a, a holiday gift guide where <laughs> I wrote like 80-some write-ups on games one of which was that game so i did not wow. it. and and you know um, I'm, I'm not saying this is the reason um but i know one issue at times working at japanese companies is that um there is still the mentality of seniority comes from age not necessarily experience and there uh, there are times when like somebody gets into a position of management because they're the older person on the team or or whatever and right. so I I wonder if there was anything like that here, like as he's getting older, uh, maybe for first because of other people who are there, maybe he's not being bumped up the way he wants to be bumped up or. Well, he was he was um, I think he was like executive vice president. Right. But like I, I, did, I don't know, like, did he want to be higher or I, I don't know. I don't think my per, I mean, look, what, what do I know? Right. Or, or on the other side of that, like, like sticking with that thought is because he's one of the older ones there and he's one of the higher ups, like maybe he can't work on games the way he wants to because that's, he has to be in management. That's what I think. I think, I think that's in my opinion, more accurate. Like, I think it's a combination of, you know what I think it is at the end of the day? He just wants to make games and he wants to make games in his eyes, his vision, a certain way. You know, making a game that can be modern, but with old, um, you know, some some older formulas. But it's funny because uh, isn't that the reason Platinum exists? Yeah, but, you know, uh, <clears throat> yes, correct. Um, what am I trying to say? But, or, I mean... It, it, I, I will say this from a Wikipedia entry. This is my source, Wikipedia, so we know it's right. <laughs> You know, the person who was heralded as a savior of the company in the last five, six years was Yoko Taro. Yeah. Because allegedly, according to the Wikipedia entry, if it wasn't for the success of yeah. Nier Automata, yeah. they, it claims that Platinum was about to go uh, out of business. But then I also learned in that Wikipedia article, unrelated to that, I didn't know this, they opened up a second building or whatever. I dare say to focus on live service games. <laughs> with, <laughs> I think so. But, but here's the thing. I mean, I mean that goes uh, back uh, to with their with their hit title, Babylon's Tower. Well, or... well, okay. So here's the irony in that they had that huge success with Nier Automata saving the company and making them profitable. 
And then Babylon 5 was like either their next or shortly thereafter release. So they went from this genius, critically acclaimed, and also very well-selling title in Nier Automata to arguably one of the worst-reviewed games in modern history. And the funny part is we both got its name wrong. Neither one of us knew its name. Because <laughs> I called it Babylon's Tower, you called it Babylon 5. Oh my god, I meant uh, Babylon's Fall. <laughs> okay, you did actually know it. I was going to laugh because it's like, neither one of us even know what the game's called. You know, I might have... Did I say Babylon's 5 out loud? Yeah. I, I meant to say Babylon's Fall. I, okay. I knew that. Okay, but, you oh actually didn't know it. Babylon for holy moly. <laughs> neither one. I mean... Like, I'm, I'm looking at their, like, recent releases right i'm looking at his resume yeah i mean okay so like team and team mutants in manhattan i never i never played that um i think astral chain did okay but i don't know if it did st- i still say to this day and that game is a few years old for from a technical perspective on switch which may not sound like much and the game itself that that is a must-have uh wonderful when i want to remaster it i can't imagine that really did that much that was that's, oh, that's, you, that's you talking sales yeah Oh, probably dirt because the only reason that and I, and I say that and I own it like three times now, I say it so like dirt because I was a part of the Kickstarter campaign and the only reason that got off the ground was due to the Kickstarter like three years. Yeah, because that's that's one of those games where it's like there's a certain segment of people who love it, but there's really not interest beyond that group of fans. Can, can I make a weird analogy? Hmm. I feel like the wonderful one hundred and one to Kamiya is what Pikmin is. To Miyamoto, yeah, in probably. that they're not bad games, but they just will not, they can't move on in their yeah. life without trying to force that into a success. Yeah. Um, World of Demons for iOS, no no clue what that is. Uh, I've seen it. It had, honestly, I'll be honest, it had a cool art, but I didn't touch it because it was a phone game. Soul Cresta, which I, I can't imagine that did much. And even for somebody no like way. me, like I'm a, I'm a hardcore Terra Cresta fan. Right. And I looked at Soul Crest and I'm like, eh, it just doesn't look like my kind of game. I didn't touch it. Um, Babylon's Fall, of course. Bayo 3, I, I I just don't know how good that did sales wise. And then I can't I can't imagine Bayonetta Origins did much either. It it had to sell like I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. It had to sell like dirt. Because I just it's just like I mean who the hell else do you know besides me that ha- that has just about every one of those you just named? Yeah, I mean, cause, but just like like I'm a Bayo fan, but well, I guess I think I think the problem too was like I just did not like Bayonetta three, and maybe if I'd liked that more, I would have been more interested in Origins. But just I looked at Origins and I was just like, like I I I know where it came from, right? But I right. think that probably worked great as a piece of a larger game but like did i really want to play that as its own game right well i'm not gonna lie the only reason i got it because i didn't think the physical copy was gonna last long on shelves i mean yeah I, probably I, I'm not assu- yeah that's that was my main i can't imagine i figured it was now or never yeah i will probably die be dead and it'll still be shrink wrapped <laughs> Um, 
I completely forgot Project Gigi. Now, I'm going to go off memory without cheating. Am I nuts, or wasn't that a supplemental piece or something in relation to Star Fox Zero, or Mike, or or something was used as a test during that time, or is this something mech-based? I have or... no idea what this is. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm. I'm. I. It's. Uh, it's something with something with a dog. Really? An eerie roar echoes through the city. People fleeing from rubble of crumbling buildings. The city mm. is plunged into chaos by the sudden appearance of a mysterious giant shadow. <clears throat> then a mysterious figure appears. Who is he? Please stay tuned. Well, it's by Hideki Kamiya, so I don't know if it's going to still be alive or not. Right. Yeah, weird. So anyway, oh, you know what's so funny? Of all this back and forth and, and theorizing... Sadly or funnily, the thing the thing that I couldn't get out of my head after that video and being such a big fan of him, do you know the biggest question I had after watching that eight-minute subtitled video? Is his, is his Lamborghini real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get over well, it. Well, in a post-Tommy Tallarico world, you just never know if the Lamborghini is real or if it's a kit, unfortunately. So, so I'm looking at, like, I think, okay... I have to assume two of Platinum's most, uh, uh, why can I think of English now? Not popular, but like, uh, successful games, right? Mm-hmm. Have to be Metal Gear Rising Revengeance and Nier Automata. Oh yeah, you're saying sales-wise? Yeah, yes. that's, yeah, Metal Gear based off the name itself and the time it came out. So what, what it seems to me is, is that Platinum's really, really good when they have somebody make everything in the game but the combat and the yeah, action portion, right? It's, it's just like there's something about their games that just... Like, I love Anarchy Reigns. I love that game. But it didn't hit. I, I don't know I don't know how well Mad World did. Um, I mean, I know people swear by Vanquish. I have not played it yet. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I think it was a sleeper hit. And that's all that it did. Beta, right. of course, was, was was a success, right? Astro Chain too. I, like I'm wondering if that was actually successful or not. Um, but it just feels like it feels like Platinum really needs to find people to work with. Where it's like, okay, let us handle the gameplay portion, the action portion, the right. combat portion, and then somebody else create the other stuff because they just don't seem to be able to make games that that are like interesting to people or i would say yeah i'll meet you halfway yes or the games they're making are so hardcore or cater to such a niche audience like us that we'll give it a chance and enjoy it i mean it's it's like so many businesses these days are in entertainment you know and i think this also may be part of the reason he left they have to come up with something that's more mainstream to, to, to you know, I mean, if they well, got yeah, two either, buildings, either mainstream or that can just grow that audience like a, like a near can. Right. Well, that's, I mean, good something luck. That can capture, I, I say good luck because that's that such a diamond. Other elements that will capture attention, not just the action. I think the problem is like their action is the main focus, but the other elements just don't, connect with people 
See, you know, here's the funny thing, and I think you can relate to this. To me, the action is so important because that's primarily the gameplay. Sure. But so many games today are so narrative, so so many narratives and stories that we're getting away from the gameplay. Do I sound like I'm a, I'm a boomer that I'm no, 100 and, now? No, and you're, you're right, but like at the same time, like we, we mentioned Armored Core 6, right? Right. And I think from the perfect example of a, of a studio where they get the gameplay and they get the narrative both. Yes. Right. Yeah, I... Yes. So, yes. so like... For... Um, my, my, I will never, un, I will, I will, without repeating myself, and I'm not knocking the game, I will never understand Elden Ring's success <laughs> due to its opening level of difficulty. It's, there's something missing there in my brain. I can't wrap my head around it. Well, I think I think it's just a case of I mean, part of that is that just they've built up so much fandom over the years, and I think part of it is just that because everything else in that game is so compelling, like I mean, like look look back at like like a Mega Man, right? Mega Man Two was a beloved game, and that game was. But I, I have an excuse. Hard as balls. You already know my excuse. You already know what I'm going to say. Say it. That was like 1988. Okay, I mean, but yes, back when, that, no, back when, every, but, but back when everything was hard, right? I'll elaborate. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on the same page as you. When I say it's 1988, that's a time when games, if you're a master and it's so pattern-based, you could do a game in 45, 50 minutes. And you would die and die again and again because of the, to, to stretch the life of the game out. Mm-hmm. Elden Ring, it's like, and and I I said this before. I put like thirty to forty hours into that, so it's not like I play. Okay, let me. This person's going to go nameless. This is a longtime podcast fan. This is someone who is even more hardcore into those games than I am, and goes through like is more of a completionist because I have the bad habit of not completing a lot of stuff. This person is into Demon Souls, Dark Souls, all of that. Now, I'm after we record this, I'm going to ask them probably tomorrow and if they ever went back on this. They, I played more Elden Ring than they did, and I was shocked. Hmm. Interesting. But anyway, the, the reason I bring we, we got off on that tangent is because Elden Ring was such a financial success, and from software in, um have found where you know gameplay story coming together and then also equating to big sales i think it's just i think it's just a case of like is are the things around the gameplay compelling like is there something that makes you want to keep playing more and that's what that's the hook that you need and that's kind of like because i mean let's be honest on on even though they help with that on some level near near automata isn't always the best gameplay, right? It's got a lot of jank in it. But there were so many elements of that game that were so compelling that it drove people forward. Elden Ring might be incredibly difficult, but there's so many elements of that world that are just so compelling that drives people forward. I think, like, with a lot of Platinum's games, like, that compelling 
portion of the game just isn't there. Like, I look at Astral Chain, and just nothing about that looks interesting to me on a story or character level. You you, you personally need to, uh, uh, at some point in the future, <laughs> I'll have to, no, I'm, you know why I'm saying that? I'm not being a, a butthead. The reason I suggest Astral Chain to you is because you'll probably never see another game like that again with such 90s Hmm. um, influence. Uh, This is funny, too, because we talked about earlier in the conversation um, Mad World and, and Anarchy Reigns. What was that? That was the, Those were all under the Sega contract. Was it five games? I'm mixing it up with the Capcom 5, but Sega, what was it, four or five titles back in the 2010s? Because what, what, it, what it was, it was, uh, was Mad it was, World Sega? Yes. In, yeah, Infinite, oh, definitely. Infinite, Space, it, Infinite yeah. Space was Sega, Mad World Sega, yep. Anarchy Reigns, yep. Vanquish, Bayonetta. Yeah. How many is that? That's five. Okay. So obviously this Astral Chain is not a part of that five, but the reason I say that Astral Chain was somewhere, it was either August of 18 or 19. I think it was 19. It felt that that could have been Sega. That that could have been Sega and Platinum mm. again. And um, I don't really think this is a spoiler. I'll give you another example. The only part in the game, there's like a really cool opening sequence on uh, like motorcycles. But that's the only time in the game you ever see it. Meaning, meaning they put the time in to develop that and create that for a one-off segment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had, you know, it has a very cyberpunk motif, but I'd say with '90s influence, and I would argue kind of very classic Sega-esque characters. Mm. So for you personally, you should get that in your collection. Okay. Before you get another uh, five Mega Drive games. <laughs> That happen, but tell you what, if 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 I if I beat all of the games I've half halfway played through this year, oh my god, I'll get to Astral Chain, which means I will I will get to it in about twenty years. Well, well, I did say that on the intro. Are we are we now at a point where? I mean, twenty twenty three has been phenomenal. In terms of releases overall, right? I mean, yeah. there's so many, you know, even if they're not game of the year contenders, like games that are worth your money. But are, like, do we have to hit the brakes here soon? Because like, I, I did see some other people, you and I always complain about our backlogs being hardcore gamers and some of our fans, but I've seen some other people who are not as uh, sick in the head as us. And I've seen a couple people say on like, yeah, like I really want Baldur's Gate 3 and um but they're like i've got so much going on in life right now whatever you know maybe i'll get it next year or i'll play it, like i'll get around to it in 2024 and they put like lol mm-hmm. but i don't think this is an uncommon sentiment right now and i'm not picking on Baldur's gate because i've heard nothing but good things about it but it's like damn zelda diablo uh you know street fighter 6 what did you say street fighter 6 yeah, SF6, Armored Core, uh, everything Resident that we mentioned, remake. Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Uh and you know 2024 feels like it's still, you know, that sounds like it's far away, but here's the we're in October. In 4 months in under 120 days, 
you can throw onto that list Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Persona 3 Reload. Yep. That's just a few months out. I I wonder, like, <clears throat> like it, there's an interesting divide in, in gaming where, like, on one hand, you're still seeing, like, the companies that are, like, get out as many games as possible and let's see, just try to grab attention for these certain games. Or, like, the yearly cause and stuff. And then you're seeing... You're starting to see more games that are that are like, let's make one really really good game, and try to live off of that game, right? Right. Like, I mean, I'm 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 not saying like, I mean, From Software makes a decent amount of games, right? But they're making every game as if like this might be our only game that we're releasing. We need to make something people are going to grab onto and, and and spend money into, you know. Right. Um, obviously, the way GTA Five is sold, you know, that's that's beyond anything you could ever think of. That's the plan for like No Man's Sky. That's the plan for Baldur's Gate Three. Like in, instead of in, in you know, there's other companies that would have had like a Baldur's Gate Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven by this point, right? Um, right. It's I like. I'm finding it more interesting now these games that the developers are making something where it it feels like if this is the only game we have out in the next 6 years we'll be okay because we're making something that we want to last for a long time. Like that to me is where like the most interesting games are coming out. But I think I think like more companies need to do that because we're we're seeing like there, there's this like uh, a perfect example, right? Is do you even know what Immortals of Avium is? I want to say the term Immortals sounds familiar, and I don't know if I saw an ad or something. It could have been a Twitch ad, but in all fairness, I could be mixing it up with uh, a game of yesteryear. So I, I, I'm going to say no. So it's it's a game game which came out a couple months ago. Uh, it's like a a first person shooter, but with magic instead of 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 guns and it's uh it was a new studio and this was their very very first project and it just completely bombed when it came out to the point that this new studio is already like in trouble like one and done now are you bringing this up because the game was actually pretty good and they and they well no i guess i guess my point is like i think that um making games like that is going to be really much, much harder going forward just because of budgets mm-hmm. and staff issues and things like that. It's it's like, and I don't know, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like, I, I, I feel like you have to, you have to either put a lot of work into your game to be something that can just kind of rise above everything else. Like, you, you can't, so I'm I'm a big fan of like the the kind of we'd say like the mid tier space right like double A games yeah you said that for years kind of right but I think even like that's getting really hard unless you've got like really low budgets so you've got to make a I mean playing Lies of P right now right I feel like Lies of P is a game that could maybe grab hold and kind of stick around for a while and people will still come back to later like a year from now or something like that you know like you you there, there's there's like 
it's, it, we're just getting into a really, really, and I don't even know what I'm trying to say. We're getting into a really weird place where it's it's so much harder to make it and release a game now because a lot of the games that, that you would think would would stick with people right. are just aren't sticking. Well, and I, I, there's too much. Yeah, there's too much. So that's why I think you have to do something like a Baldur's Gate three. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I did not see that game getting the success it was going to get like before it right. came out. But they're, they're a company who took their time and then kind of built up their reputation and built up their their the games they're making and they're like perfecting the ideas and stuff. And they made a, a game now that that game could carry them for the next five or six years. Just Right. That, that's that that's going to be like their... That's going to be like their Dragon Age or Elder Scrolls, Oblivion, Red Dead. That's going to be their evergreen yeah, title. Yeah, so I think companies have to think that way. It's like we have but, to make and a I'm not trying to be rude last. or an a hole, but that's that is easier said than of done. Of course it is. Of course it is. But I think you. Well, have how about to, this? Just, wrapping this back around, it does correlate to this talking about money, projects, taking chances, uh, and we're going to kind of bring this back to Sega because you just reminded me. I I had no damn clue as to what this was, and this is relevant because this is a recent story as of within the last uh, week or so. What in the world? Okay, pop quiz. Uh, excluding Rockstar games, we're going to leave Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead out of this. When when we go back to our era, what what was the most expensive game ever made? Oh, I mean, is this the the Sega Sega thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Shenmue for years, and then I even heard off the unofficially. I don't know if this is true. I didn't know this, but Panzer Dragoon, I guess, in that was one of the most expensive games ever made at the time before Shenmue. I don't know how accurate that is. But anyway, what was the deal with the that uh, multiplayer sci-fi FPS from a team called Creative Assembly under the Sega banner? Right, but like, yeah, like, like we don't even know what this game was, did we? Yeah, hyenas. I know. I mean, but like, I mean, but like, what was it? Like, why was it the most expensive game? I don't know, but that, that yeah, but that brings it back to my point. Yeah, that was, I guess. Now, were they saying the most expensive game period right now? I thought it was for Sega. Was it? Was it? Okay. In general, okay. In Sega's history. I think. Okay. I think. Yeah. I think it was Sega's most. Expensive okay. Game. So that means it would have had to. And obviously, money has changed over the years. There's two other titles in their past: Panzer and Shenmue. Hyenas was now the record holder for Sega as their most expensive title. But the difference is, we're not going to see it. But it's like. I mean, like I. I I mean, I I know at a certain point the Yakuza games became kind of like a, a factory, right? But like, yes. What was it doing as a first-person shooter that like it was more expensive than the Yakuza games, or more expensive than a final uh, a, a Fantasy Star Online two? I I don't think it takes a genius to figure this out, but is your sentiment the same as me in that they were trying to crack the Fortnite? Um... When I say crack, I don't mean beat it, but like they were trying to get in on that pie. I don't think so, because like I think you have to be just an idiot to try that. I mean, the, the... or like the excuse me, I think I saw some. Excuse me, let let me uh, Fortnite slash Overwatch. Well, yeah, okay, yes, Overwatch, yes. Like I, I think because there's this whole thing of like the the like the hero shooter, right? Yeah, because. 
back in my day, in my younger days, when I was getting into first-person shooters, you didn't have characters, right? <laughs> you were just Doom Guy, or you were right. just uh, skin, Unreal Tournament skin that you maybe downloaded from a site or something, right? Like, there weren't special abilities, there weren't classes, there weren't, you know, roles or things like that. But now the whole thing is, to, to detriment at some point, is this whole, like, hero shooter thing, right? And I think it's just, like, because, I mean, like, literally, like, Ubisoft just... Oh, my God, these character designs are so weird for this game. Um, yeah, you're looking at hyenas? Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft just just pushed back their X-Defiant game. And, like, there, there's so many companies now that are chasing this, this kind of hero shooter stuff. Um, and or Battle Royale. Royale, right? Like, the two of those together. Um, right. And then this, like, Sonic thing. <laughs> uh I don't know, like, I, I I don't know why they're even going after this, and it's just, this is the thing too, right, is, 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 there's, I don't know, like, it, it's a weird, it's a weird proposition, because I would, I was going to say, like, you have to know how crowded the space is, right, but right. there are That's still games right. that come out that then are successful, because, like, how crowded was the space when, like, Apex Legends came out, right? And, yeah, that's the one you always talk yeah, about. You that like that one, right? Totally took off, and it's it's losing some traction, but it's still a very very popular game, including in Japan. So you do have to try, but why? Why would Sega have one of their costliest projects of all time be chasing this genre that's already just so packed with can, entrenched can games? Doesn't this scream of like a big corporate meeting with higher ups and they're just looking at the bottom line at their competition and other companies yeah, and they're sure. like, hey, don't you, right? Right. Without knowing what it takes to go into it or a little bit of luck and timing and now look, you know, and if, and what's the other saying sometimes in entertainment, if you're, you know, they're looking to bring that to the table now, something that's been around the last three to five, maybe a little over five years but you're already kind of late to the dance because you're chasing something from yesterday while the market is now still moving forward. And I, I don't know if that, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I agree. I think another problem, and this is something that is part of the reason why Apex, Apex worked, right? Is Apex was basically tapping into the entire world of Titanfall. Now, I'm not saying Titanfall was this huge, huge success, but beyond the people who are just going to try a game because it's it's new and they want to see what it's like, they they were going after all those people who loved Titanfall. So there was right. some kind of like a built-in fan base there, right? Like Fortnite at this point is its completely own thing. You know, Fortnite is how, how many characters from everything can we stick into one game oh i don't know it just right. upsets me I, I don't even i just i see it and i scroll like it's no, just I, so sick i kind of like it. it it's it's basically like a kid with toys right it's like when you were a kid whatever toys you had you would play with together so mm. you'd have you know gi joe and transformers and he-man and my little ponies and barbies and everybody all coming together into one world right that's that's what fortnite is but like 
the, the thing with Sega, right? I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it, and there's this, there's a, the one of the characters is this guy in like a Sonic outfit, you know? And it's funny, but it's also like, and I know you're gonna call me crazy, but why, why are these not Sega characters, right? Like, because I'm looking at these, I'm looking at the characters they did have in, in the game, and these are characters that could have been made by any studio in any game, right? There's this, um, for anybody who wants to look at it, it's playhyenas.com. And I think the problem is just, this just looks so generic. It looks like a game I've seen 800 other times. And there's a character here called Galaxia. You know, uh, she's, I don't, I don't even know what she is. Like, is, is after losing her shot at fame, she realized the hardship on Earth with training of a superhero, blah, blah, blah. Why was this not Ulala? As weird as that would be. Like, why are you putting Ulala into a, a first-person shooter, right? But if they had, would that not instantly give you more interest in this game? Because you're like, as weird as this sounds like, and as much as I'm not sure I want to play a first-person shooter, I know these characters, Right? So I've got at least some kind of emotional attachment to it. You can't you, you can't just you can't make a game in a genre that's that's full of competitors at, which also has no hook for players to check it out. I think, I think like it's gonna, it's going to be so hard I think to make a, a new game out of this, you know, like a, a completely new original brand. I mean, Ubisoft, Ubisoft's having that problem. Ubisoft released their own battle Royale with not, 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 not the best game, but even then, like it was a completely new world, completely new characters. And, and I think like there's a few companies like, like a, like a Nintendo, you know, with, like Splatoon and stuff, like they can make a new game with new characters even look at Nintendo and see how many times do they go back to Mario to promote new games, right? Like, Mario Party wasn't random new characters party. It was Mario Party. Because they know, like, they know you have to have that hook to get people in to play the game. And I think I think that one of the things with Sega is these characters look like they could have come from anything. Except for Sonic Outfit Guy. You know, like uh, uh, not to take anything away from Nintendo because they more often than not put out quality product. I do sometimes think Nintendo can get away with some of their original properties a little more than other people at times because their platform doesn't always have the same level of competition sure. as to what the. You, I'm just throwing, yeah. and I'm not knocking Splatoon because I I thought Splatoon was awesome, but that so that's not a knock. But back to the Sega thing. Sega is in that world where a full-blown third party now for over 20 years. And yeah, so that, that door is wide open. You're now competing with everybody under the sun. You know? Yeah, yeah. But... I'm uh, just like, you know, I'm just looking at this. I said, like, like, even if you're not putting the actual characters in, right? Like, looking at this, like, Sonic knockoff guy kind of thing, Sonic outfit guy. Like, you know, have have people dressed up as Sega characters or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they just had to have some kind of hook. Said, if I if I was on this page and the Sonic guy was not in this game, 
I would have <laughs> no clue who this game is from. Well, Molly, I'm going to educate you a little bit here. There are consequences to these actions when you spend this kind of money. Uh-oh. Do you know what happens when this amount of money is spent at a company? Hmm. Cuts come. Oh. <laughs> For, like, high up people, right? Like, the people, like, bosses and CEOs and everything. Oh, yeah. So this is this is going to be educational to other companies out there. Speaking of things being tight in this economy. Epic Games... You might have heard of them for things like the uh, Epic Store, Unreal Engine, things of that nature. They cut a couple weeks ago around 830 jobs or 16% of their workforce. And you might be asking why. And Fortnite, Fortnite not doing what it was, what it's been doing, paying the bills. Bloomberg reports that Fortnite developer Epic Games is ex- expected to lay off 16% of its workforce. In a statement from Tim Sweeney, Epic has confirmed the layoffs will impact around 830 employees. He wrote that the company intends to sell Bandcamp, an independent music storefront company Epic acquired just last year, to music licensing platform Song Trader and spinoff Super Awesome, a kid tech company that specializes in creating safe online experiences for kids. He also explains that the layoffs are a result of the company, and I quote, spending way more money than we earn. Notably, Sweeney does not apologize to his employees for making the business decisions that have resulted in the disruption of over 800 lives, saying only that his optimism that such spending would not result in layoffs was unrealistic. So I'm looking at this, this site, and it says, um, Fortnite brought in $5.8 billion in 2021. It is expected to generate over $6 billion in 2022. Mm-hmm. As well, Epic makes Unreal Engine, which is by far the most popular development engine for video games. Right? Like, uh-huh. now, I understand... That for a game like Fortnite, you have to have a staff, right, to keep generating all this stuff that you're making. Yep. But, like, where is that money going? Inflation. They might, some of those higher-ups might have to sell their eighth or ninth property. Because it reminds me of, so for people who who don't know, like... So in the later days of Game Fan, mm-hmm. so we were owned by this company called Metropolis Media. Mm. A guy called David Bergstein. The Bergstein, I think it was Bergstein. Yeah, I've, I've heard stories. Keep going. Right, and and now my understanding—I might be wrong. My understanding was Game Fan itself was always profitable, right? But what this what the guy, this guy would do is he would take the profits from the companies that were making money and take those profits and put them into other companies, mm. right? Yeah, I've heard of this in business elsewhere. Now, in yeah. general, I, I understand that. Sure, right. But the, the the problem is is that if you've got a thing that is really making a lot of money... Right. Now, t- 
I know the problem with, with, with companies is like Wall Street and stocks and things and everybody wants this infinite growth. It's always a problem with companies mm-hmm. is infinite growth. You you can't stop growing. But at a certain point, I, I feel like your first priority should be to take the profits that's com- that are coming in and, I don't know, maybe make sure the thing that's making the money is secure, you know? Right. But so David Bergstein was investing the money from GameFan and a few other projects that were making money into all these other things. For example, nobody at this point will remember, but this was back uh, when DVD.com was a retailer and that was part of our company too. And there was, uh, was it express.com DVD that express, DVD express.com. That's what it was. And then it became express.com. Um, but so for example, one of the things he did was he bought pallets and pallets and pallets of anime cells. Because the idea was, oh, I didn't know this authentic anime yes, cells, like the real deal. Yes. Get out of here. Because the idea was, is you're going to take these anime cells and, and sell them off, right? Now, sometimes that's a good idea. You get a really interesting cell from a popular anime. You know, if you've got a cell from like Dragon Ball Z of, of Goku in a cool pose, someone's going to want that, right? But he just bought from tons and tons of these anime cells from completely random anime. The thing is, is I'm I'm... I'm Guessing three fourths of the cells that he bought probably were of just things nobody cared about, right? Because if you look wow. at anime cells, it could be, oh look, here's a cell of a plant falling off of a shelf, right? Oh, okay. Or here's right. a plant of a car driving down the street, right? You know, but, but he used the money to buy all these anime cells, and he used the money to 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 do this new magazine, which was which was a total failure. He used the money to invest in this thing, which was a total failure. I think that's kind of maybe what got Epic in trouble because the idea I understand behind Bandcamp is that they wanted to buy Bandcamp to then have a source for music that could then be used in games created with Unreal Engine. But the fact that they sold Bandcamp so soon after buying it means they they really didn't know what they were going to do with it and didn't have a good plan of what to do with it. Or their plan was terrible and it didn't work out at all. So it's just, it's frustrating that you could be somebody working on Fortnite, a game that's bringing in all this money, and to be fair, in a in a now, not post-COVID world, but a post-biggest part of COVID so far world, that that people aren't buying as much video games and aren't spending as much on video games as, as they were for a couple of years there. You know, so profits for Fortnite might not be as high as they were, but it has to be frustrating to work on Fortnite and have a company that's bringing in some of the most money in gaming now saying they had to lay off 900 plus people, right? It's like the whole thing with Embracer. Like anybody who's been watching Embracer... Embrace was the company who bought this and this and this and this and this. They they bought limited run games. They bought the entire Toa Plan library for some reason. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, they bought all these. Oh, different- Toa Plan. Oh, I'm sorry. I was. I was, Oh my god. I was thinking Tetsunoko. I'm so sorry. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Toa yeah, Plan. Yeah, yeah. Toa Plan. Yeah. They bought these different things, and they were buying all this stuff in part. 
hinging on a $2 billion deal that had not gone through yet. Oh, my God. Like a side deal? Like yes. the, uh, Like an influx of cash that they were waiting for? Yeah. So it's it's like... It's like somebody tells you, hey, you've got this this car for sale for $6,000. I'm going to come next week and buy your car from you. And you're like, great. Right. And so you and go out sp- and you spend yeah. $6,000. And then next week comes and they're like, oh, I changed my mind. I don't want that car after all. Right? It's like, why did you spend the six k before you had it? So they, they embrace- Is that what's happening to Embracing? Yes. And so they've been, they've been selling off- um, they've closed some studios. They're selling oh, off some studios. On. They're 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 canceling some games and stuff like that. Like they were buying, 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 buying all these different companies. Like they bought um, they bought like, Crystal Dynamics and stuff too. Does any does anybody know uh, where their money was supposed to be coming from? It, no, because it was some kind of deal that was not um, not announced. May I ask you something stupid? Hmm. If they don't come up with the money and they're not able to pay for the properties that they've, quote, acquired, can someone else step in and ultimately get it for, like, pennies on the dollar? That's what I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Could Square buy it? Could Square technically, even though they don't want the Western Division anymore, could they, like, buy it back for a fraction of— Possibly. But like, like, so like, Embracer owns Gearbox, for example, and they're they're looking to now sell Gearbox off. Um, but I know they canceled some things, and uh, yeah, because okay, so here, like, that's terrible. Let's go, let's go, like in the twenties, twenty twos. Could Limited Run get screwed? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if they're gonna be in trouble or not. Okay, so for example, like, they they bought up in the last couple of years, um. Dark Horse Media. Oh, they own they own freaking Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, I Dark think. Horse Media. Ooh boy. Uh, Perfect World. Ooh boy. I don't know. It's Shiver. Um, Beam Dog. They bought all the assets of Square Enix Europe, which was Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Eidos Mon- Square Enix Montreal. They bought Tripwire Interactive. They bought London Run Games. They Tata Game, which is the the Toil Plant stuff, I believe. Some other stuff. Uh, they, the THQ Nordic is under them. Wow. Aspire is under them. 3D Realms is under them. Um, there's other ones too. I know, but like, <clears throat> so now the problem is like they're starting to sell off, sell off divisions or close divisions. Or oh, I know. Who, oh, I know exactly who can step in and buy this for no problem. Hmm. Microsoft. Well. Yeah. <laughs> they might have to change the statement, whereas at some point getting Nintendo would be a career moment. Maybe oh. maybe getting Embracer. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it sucks. It sucks. And like this the game industry sucks right now. Like it's Hey Molly, can I can I borrow two hundred fifty million dollars so I can get um Suicide Squad on my streaming platform? <laughs> We're laughing at this and like three quarters of the country is starving and a check away from being homeless. But hey, can I get another 300 million so I can put Jedi Survivor on my platform day one? So, so well, how uh, about this? I'll cut you a deal. Okay. You get those two games. Mm-hmm. We'll top it off. Just flip me five mil. 
Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, so okay, so so basically Anthony's reading off there was there's been tons of Microsoft leaks recently, amazing stuff. And one of them was the leak of some of the uh the prices they were they were paying or willing to pay to get games on a game pass. Um and as he's saying, it was it was what? $250 million for, for Suicide Squad? They paid two... So here's what it cost Microsoft to get games on Game Pass day one. Uh, Suicide Squad was 250 mil. Star Wars Jedi Survivor was 300 million. Mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate 3. One of the biggest... Reminder, one of the biggest games of this year. Hey, now you calm down. Baldur's Gate 3 was neck and neck there with Glitch Busters. <laughs> Coming in at a cool 5 million. And and so what's funny about that, okay, is um <laughs> we 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 go okay, and 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 by the way, 5 million speaking 5 million dollars Microsoft pays uh, Rockstar five million per month. Yeah, that's interesting because for Red yes. Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, that's their that's their Netflix that they got to pay. Rockstar gets five mil a month. Yes. So that's what rough math at sixty mil a year. So things go from it goes from Microsoft thinking that. Baldur's Gate 3 is only worth $5 million total to get on Game Pass to Microsoft completely changing the rules Yes, for game parity between Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S in order to get Baldur's Gate 3 onto the Xbox this year because they were so afraid of, of being left out of that game being on their platform. That's like that's if 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 you work well yeah because if it didn't yeah PlayStation and PC PlayStation would have had a tenant that would have kind of been their I don't want to say answer but that would have been kind of Sony's inadvertent Starfield for the time being yeah I mean it, I mean I mean because to be fair like Baldur's Gate I mean we still don't know when it's coming on Xbox it's coming this year but um, I didn't know that okay yeah but I mean that w- like I said I I did a preview of Baldur's Gate three for for the magazine. And even back then, like, you didn't really know how big it was going to be. Right. It was like, okay, this is a kind of a neat little game coming out, you know, right. but that game just exploded. And it would have looked so bad to not have that on Xbox until next year. And so I think it was an oh, oh, crap moment for, for the entire Xbox, you know, team. And they're like, we have to get this game onto our platform this year because this is this will be just a de facto PS5 exclusive. Like one of the games that's going to be on the list for best games of 2023 is everybody's going to see it as a PS5 exclusive. And you can't have that. I'm looking at this list. Let me ask you this before I mention another game. Does this mean when, especially when this leak happens, the people that did Baldur's Gate are they kind of like scratching their head, going, "Whoa, we got robbed." 
I I mean I, I don't like I'm curious like how how like what kind of level of success did they actually expect the game to have, right? Right. I think I think it's a case where it's even surprising them how good it's doing. But they're they're a, a, a studio who have made games like I was saying earlier that have kind of just built up a following and built up a following and and gotten better and better and shown that they're going to take an idea and work on it and refine it and keep making better games off that idea. You know, this has been a long process to get here, right. and they had you know was it a year plus of like early access, right? Of really working to make that game better and giving right. feedback and everything. So I'm not sure what they expected, but I think if I were them and then I saw this list, you know, I, well, something I, I, just I would un- be like, hmm. <laughs> we, we just talked about Red Dead 2 at $5 million a month. I, I don't know how I missed this. It's because I read it too fast. GTA 5. Yeah. It's twelve to fifteen million a month. When, when did that come the out? The game is ten years old. Now hold on a second. This game has broken like every sales record. How many more sales would that game have if it wasn't for this? Okay, so it's officially officially over ten years old now. What are they paying for? At this point, everybody owns it. That's, that's what everybody keeps what saying. You, that's what everybody keeps saying. It's what, like who's buying this game? Everybody already owns it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on, I gotta do some rough. Hold on a second. Time out. Time out a second. We're gonna go. I'm gonna go low. Twelve million. What What are the sales at now for, for now? For right GTA? now on PlayStation, I think it's ten bucks. So can't, we're gonna go midway. We're gonna say the game is nineteen ninety nine. We're gonna lie. Molly, that's approximately current value six hundred thousand. That's like selling six hundred thousand copies a month. What? It, it has sold. It has sold. By the way, um, is this when? When is this as of? Because this is saying, uh, this is okay. So it sold uh, hundred and eighty five million copies globally. Hundred eighty five million copies. I don't even know what to. You you know what else is surprising on here? And I'm being serious now. I want to make this clear. This is a huge franchise over 30 years. The the name, you know, it's it's globally known. But I'm going to legitimately explain to you why this is so crazy to me. Mortal Kombat 1, Mm -hmm. the latest Mortal Kombat, which has been getting great reviews and looks great. Not knocking a game. $250 $250 million. So that's a quarter of a billion dollars. What's amazing on that to me as well is like, okay, I can make the argument. I guess it really doesn't matter to Microsoft because it's it's just getting it on the platform. But like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, to that game's credit, I can make the argument. You know what? In a very rare instance, you're getting a complete game. Like you're getting a true complete adventure game. High quality. Mortal Kombat 1, we both know that thing's going to have like five season passes, DLC content. I mean, that's amazing that, what is it, NetherRealm, if it's still NetherRealm? Yeah. I mean, that's got to pay for 
that's got to pay for more than their whole development for that game, correct? Yeah. I mean, could you... Well, and, and I think, too, like, what like you are just saying is the interesting about a game like that is that how many people playing it on Game Pass then end up buying DLC for the game? Then it's then we, now we got a mess, right? Yeah, I mean that's got to be very common, right? Or my nuts? I have to I have to assume it is like, to some level. Yeah, I'm not saying they may not be hardcore and get like three or four season passes, but I bet you someone's sitting around and like you know what I'm playing this. I'll flip I'll flip a twenty at it because I've been playing. I've I've been playing. Um, and I keep, I keep meaning to buy it one of these days, but No Man's Sky, I've been playing that on Game Pass for years now. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Wow. And I, I could potentially see a point where I'd be like, I mean, they don't charge for DLC, but like, okay. could I pay DLC for it? Possibly. You know, um, I think a perfect example is... Minecraft, like right. I, I own a copy of Minecraft on on Xbox, but like on game days with my with our twins, we play Minecraft. I'd say at least seventy five percent of the time. Okay, and they will watch like YouTube channels uh, for Minecraft, mm-hmm. and there's a few different kind of game types. Like for example, one of the ones they're watching recently was this thing called One Block Skyblock, where basically you're just in the sky, there's only one block in the entire world, but every time you break that block, it turns into a different block, that you break that block, get the block, and it turns into a different block, and on and on Hmm. and on and on and on, right? So we wanted to try that, and I, I, for some reason, had Minecraft credits, and I don't know why, but I did. Um, So... I was like, you know what, I'll buy this one block, skyblock thing, and then we bought a few other mods so we could play them together. If if we were playing that through Game Pass, because it's a Microsoft title, it would always be there, right? It's not like it going away. Um, I could have seen myself putting in five to ten bucks to buy some DLC right. for that game, a game that we don't even own. So stingy old me potentially doing that i can see a lot of people potentially buying dlc for these games so so yeah that 250 million from mk1 has to then also include some percent of people who will buy the season pass even though they're only playing it on game pass right and especially because if you think about it right if you know about people who are mostly playing game pass now if even if they're paying the full 15 dollars a month for game pass mm-hmm. like what other amount of money that they have every month that can be spent now on dlc versus buying games outright i don't i, I don't it's crazy okay. and i i think i will say this um and obviously there's a lot more microsoft stuff to uh, discuss that leaked um it's kind of a little bit off topic and it's not because we're talking about DLC. We're talking about a lot of digital content. We're talking about people that only have game pass and and there's nothing wrong with that. Primarily getting their gaming fix through that. You know, it's, it's the modern way, right? But, um, 
uh, I don't know if problem is the right word. So you and I are dinosaurs. And we still, so we kind of cherry pick. We don't get everything physical anymore because I think you and I are both guilty. We have a lot of stuff on our gaming hard drives. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, and I'm guilty of this too. We're lazy. You know, we don't like switching discs at times or yeah. if, depending on what yeah. the game is, or if there's a lot of updates, it depends on the title, right? But there are select games which we can feel are complete or classic titles that we will spend the money on. We will get in our collection. I'm going to give you a random example of recent PlayStation 5. I picked up Scorn. Okay. Scorn is a game that became available on Xbox and PC a year ago. It was exclusive. Now it's on PlayStation. As far as I know, as of right now, things should change. But that is a complete game where the data is on the disc. There's no DLC. It's a very unique indie offering that got – you get my point. Mm-hmm. It's not MK1, and I'm not knocking MK1. We know the same thing with Street Fighter. This is the sure. first time in my life where SF6, a launch Street Fighter, I always buy it. I did digital this time, at least for now. Yeah. So my point is I'm going to use TMNT as an example, the Shredder's Revenge, which is a great game. I beat it. I bought the DLC. I love the um, – uh, I love the new uh, mode, which reminds me of the mode in Streets of Rage 4. I love it so much, I can't remember the name of the mode. It's like it's like a survivor mode. And my point is, there's kind of a new problem for collectors like you and I because, okay, I bought TMNT Shredder's Revenge physical, and I got it digital as well, okay? But I wanted a copy of it. But now we have this thing where... There's going to be a version released with the DLC on it. So now it's like, okay, I already double dipped digital and physical. And now it's like, and I'm not doing this, by the way, for real. I'm not joking. I'm not getting the latest iteration with uh, the added DLC on it. They Mm -hmm. did get me twice. When I say they, the companies, I did buy a Streets of Rage 4 limited edition of limited run when that came out, like in a Genesis box. And then I did wind up buying the anniversary edition a year later, which had the, like, the Mr. X or whatever it was called, DLC content. But I am seeing this happen more in other games as well. I guess I'll give you the the moment to speak. Is this becoming a slight problem in your world as well? So, like, I, I go digital for most of my games. Um, and, and there's, there's a few reasons for that. One is that just because of work, I get digital codes for anything I review, right? So anything I review, I'm already going to have digitally. And, um, we have, I have my Xbox Series X at my work desk in, in, in my home office. And then we have a Series S in the living room. And obviously we can't play discs on the Series S. So for us to play games in both places, we have to go digital on those kind of games, right? Um, but uh, but while there are many things I like about the Xbox, one of the things I hate is that for those times I... Okay, well, let me, let me first say, there's there's good and bad. So one of the really neat things on Xbox is if you want a game digitally... And then you have a physical copy. You can use that physical copy to install the game onto your hard drive. 
without downloading it first. So what what, what I mean is, um, like, uh, for example, I have Tom Clancy's The Division. I have a digital mm-hmm. copy and then I have a physical copy because that's a game I don't always want to keep around. But if I do want to play it, I can use the disc to do the main biggest install yep. without using my bandwidth to get most of the game onto my drive and then do whatever updates there are for that, right? So I really like that feature. But the the problem on an Xbox is when I buy a physical copy, I have no idea what I'm getting. And Oh, right. Like, like what data is actually on the disc. Yeah, because a, a perfect example of that is one of the times recently when I purchased a physical copy was... I went out and bought a copy of Elden Ring on Xbox One slash Xbox Series X. And as stupid of a reason that this is, the reason I did was I wanted to get a copy of Elden Ring that had the old Bandai Namco logo on it. Because there was an initial batch that had the old logo and then, then every copy since then has had the new Bandai Amco logo on it. And I was like, that's kind of a neat little variant, so I want the original copy. But before I opened it, I did some checking online, and I found out that that copy I bought, all that's on there is the Xbox One version of the game. There is no Xbox oh, Series version of that game really? on there, period. All it does is act as a key... Like an unlock key? Unlock key to download the digital version of the Series X game. So that disc, in terms of me playing the game on Series X, was completely worthless. In terms of getting me that actual version of the game. And that's kind of been a frustration for me. And I agree. Not to change, not to pivot, but yeah, I agree with you in that. That's why I haven't bought as many physical games on PlayStation 5 this generation, and I still have a chunk, but I haven't done as many. Because even though I want a physical copy of this stuff, many times the disc, after all of the updates and what they put in there, is only acting as an unlock key more often than not. And what's funny is, that's what's actually led me to where most of my physical purchases in recent years have been Switch. Yes, I I agree. Because if I buy a game on Switch, I I, I tend to know that game exists on that cartridge. Right. And then I can probably just play it, put it in and play it. And, you know, in all the talk of, of physical copies going away, like... I think part of it is consumer apathy, but part of it is just that companies have made physical so terrible of an experience in so many ways like they're trying to for do you feel like they're trying in a way to force us to not partake in the physical medium as much anymore i think part of it is but i think part of it is is just that like there's still the uh, i think if if and and this is i don't know i don't know if this would ever work but like i think if we knew okay Day one, I can go out and buy a physical copy of Mortal Kombat 1 if I really, really want it, right? Right. But two years from now, Nether Realms will absolutely, positively yes. release a physical copy of the game 
that has everything on it. Yep. Right. If I knew that, that'd be like, okay, I might buy it digitally now and then I'll wait and get that physical copy. Like with Street Fighter V, was there, I don't think there was ever a copy that had everything on it, was there? Of what, MK11? No, 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 uh, Street Fighter V. Um, because I don't think I don't think our. I was almost gonna say yes, but you know what? They did do like a complete. It wasn't called complete edition, but they did do a complete edition towards the very end. But you know what? I'm gonna assume that might not have had the very last pass with um, Akira from Rival right. Schools and all that. That's what I'm thinking. Is like I don't know that the the, the last because that version... because wasn't because that last season pass really faked everybody out. Well, you know when. They... And I don't mean in a bad way, but don't you remember everyone was so surprised they were doing one more season? Right. This says, okay, I guess there might... Because there's a version called Street Fighter V Champion Edition All Characters Pack. Huh. But, like, is that right a download code? I knew you were going to say that, right. Or the, on the disc? Right. And that's the problem. That that's really is the problem. Have, it's I, just like these days, it's like you have no idea what you're getting when you buy a physical. I spent a hundred something bucks on the launch SF5 edition, and it's one of the only copies of Street Fighter that I hate looking at because I know it's just absolutely like worthless. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll give you an example real quick, and for those who don't know. Okay, so I'm a big Metal Gear fan. And I'm looking forward to this correlates to what we're talking about. And I'm looking forward to uh, the collection coming out next week because uh, I'm an idiot. And now I'm such a Metal Gear fan that under normal circumstances, as stupid as this is, I would buy it on PlayStation and I would definitely get it on Switch just to have it on Switch, even if I don't open the Switch one. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting the Switch one in this case. Because yeah. I did some research, and he actually Konami confirmed this. Now, here's an exception. I'm with Molly. My Switch collection is out of control because the bulk of those games, even including stuff like Zelda and all that, they're all on the cartridge, okay? The new Metal Gear will contain a small chunk of data on the cartridge, and then you have to do like a 30-some-odd gig download on Switch. So that ain't happening. So that one... I'm doing uh, I'm doing PlayStation Digital, and then I might get a physical version on PS5, you know, just to have it because I'm a Metal Gear fan. But that is a rare instance where I would actually like to have Metal Gear on Switch just to say I have it. That I'm not doing it because that that's pretty pointless, don't you think? They could go the IRAM route and oh, give you like a no. three-volume oh, box stop. set, one with each game on it. You know, the last time we recorded, it's been a while, we made fun of it, and uh, no, maybe it was the last recording I did do this. I I was, I did, they did get me on volume two. Can you believe that? After all the back and forth and jokes we made, they did get me on volume two. Just volume two? Yeah. (laughs) Just volume two? You're going to have that volume two thing on your shelf. No. And you're like... No. Maybe I'll buy no. one more. Maybe I'll buy volume four as no. well. Yeah. <laughs> you buy that and like, well, I've got two and four. I don't have three. Three needs to go to No, the I promise. And you're like, well, I need one and five on the side. You know, like, like we need like a Criterion collection kind of thing for games where oh. some somebody, like, 
I know Xbox will never do it, but like some some way where like a few years later, you you a game's gonna come out, you know it's gonna have everything on it, mm-hmm. you know that disc is gonna like in a funny way, um. And I don't know if you know this or not. You 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 might though. Uh, so the greatest hits version of Silent Hill Two. Do you know the thing about this? I used to know this. Like you're gonna say it, and it's gonna jog my memory. Um, so there was the Born from a Wish side story uh, for Maria, like how Maria came to be. And okay. for, for, now it's it's been a while. So from memory. That was um, native to the Xbox release of Silent Hill 2. I don't remember where that, if, if it was from the PC version or like what. Like it was a little extra tidbit or something yeah, it was, that it was that like extra, got. like extra two to three yeah. hour story, mo- story yeah. campaign. Kind of like, kind of like Ada's thing from RE4 yeah. or whatever. Um, but so, so it wasn't on Silent Hill 2 on PlayStation, but then when they released the greatest hits version, they, they added that into that version. Okay. I have to admit, if I knew, I, I have to confess, I did not know this. So I, I, I typically don't like greatest hits versions, but my right. RE, Silent Hill 2 is greatest hits because it has that extra content on it. Did, did Konami make that known at the time that they were going to do that? I don't know if they did. Because um, that's so weird. Don't you think more... Because Silent Hill 2 was such a big game, like, right. with that audience. Why is that something I haven't heard? I bet you there's a lot of people that don't know that. Well, so I think I think there's also some other games, too, where, like, the Greatest Hits version actually was a better version of the game. The only one I know of is, I think, Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition had, like, the, the difficulty or something modified. Yeah, there, there are some... You're correct. There are some versions... That have been tweaked. So, so like I like that obviously wouldn't happen because when I mean, first of all we don't get greatest hits games anymore, do we? Even at all, I think. I would say the only thing maybe is Nintendo. I guess we did a four. Like, PS4 had it. I guess. I think that's we did. Um, but like I just wish there was there was there was some way of like okay th- this is the you know it's kind of like how buying movies right. I think we inevitably know if you buy a movie at launch there's later going to be a better version of that movie come out. Uh, yeah. Right. I don't know if yeah. I wish there was some kind of guarantee or even like, well, you know, um, you're, you're not going to know who microids is at all. But what's interesting about microids is they release stuff like, uh, the Smurfs games and, oh, there are actually people who did like the, um, they, they released that house of the dead remake. Oh, okay. And uh, I'd seen it on, they're on doing the store, the Operation on the digital Wolf store. remake. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about them is is they're doing a thing where it's like the digital version comes out like three months before the physical version. Okay. So I almost wish there was this rule of like, okay, and and I know why it won't work, but say okay, digital version comes out this day, one year later, physical version hits, and that physical version will have everything that's come in that year in terms of right. uh bug fixes and updates and potential dlc and things like that like i wish there was just some sort of guarantee so that we knew we were getting a physical version that would be worth something i mean that that's that's the main idea of limited run games 
you know, but they obviously don't don't handle like the bigger stuff. Well, good news is if you're if you're a member at um, Best Buy, you got a good chance of always keeping up to date with the latest physical. <laughs> you couldn't even let me get this in. So. I can't. You know, I remember, I remember when I was working game fan, living in California, and Ooh. we had a, a Best Buy a block away from my house and uh, apartment, and like. Best Buy was such a lifeline for buying movies or buying yeah. music CDs and things like that. And so it's it's really sad, like, that, that for those who don't know, come early next year, Best Buy is not only, I mean, their movie sections have been sad for a while now, but mm-hmm. they're not only taking all DVD and Blu-ray movies out of, and, and 4K UHDs out of their stores, but they're not even going to sell them online anymore. See, that's the killer because yeah. I could make the argument, even though I live by a couple of Best Buys, I still do cherry pick and order movies off their site regularly. Like I pre-order the Steelbooks and all that. You know, maybe I'd, I'm going to be real. I'm going to say three to five times a year. I think that's a fair number. For, uh, every other month, I get something. That so. I hadn't noticed the dwindling of the movie section as much as others because I always do the online aspect pre-order because a lot of the times they sell out. And I heard through the grapevine that their movie uh, physical section was dwindling. So anyway, my point is them not even offering the online component, that's a real killer. My understanding is is that I... And I don't, I don't know if this is true, but but that that supposedly a lot of the online orders for that stuff come directly from the local stores. So because local stores aren't going to have that stock anymore. Oh, so there goes their avid. Well, that's interesting because. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was thinking about no, that. but I mean that, that that's what I'd heard. So. But I mean, like, I was gonna, you know, there must be hubs like Amazon because I was going to say, you know, it's funny though because, well, yeah, they must be cherry pick spots because a lot of the times when my pre order movies come to me, they come from this spot in Cal- like not far from Los Angeles, hmm. and for the you know, and I'm in Portland, so maybe maybe there are hubs, so there probably could still be truth in that, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I mean, you know, on one hand, I guess it's not shocking per se, but at the same time, it's like, I guess it all comes down to money, right? So what do you think? They're not making enough money on this? I mean, it's a weird situation because like for a while now, like some of the movie companies have been trying to get out of doing physical versions. Like I seem like Disney for a while was trying to not. Yeah, but now they're starting to backpedal on that. But now they're starting to backpedal on that. Yeah, right. because now people are not wanting to do, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 just like we've we've traded a lot of our ownership for convenience, and um, we're gonna lose a lot. Like I don't know. Like I've gone back and forth on this. You know, it's like I don't necessarily like having a ton of like physical movies mm-hmm. around to deal with, and my uh, library through Apple has been growing just because I've been finding a bunch of like good deals 
and they've got some of the best like streaming quality. But there's stuff where it's like, you know, I kind of want to have this stuff, right? For a for for a long time, and some of these things are like, some of these movies are now like just coming and going on on Blu-ray or 4K, and correct, and you can't I, find copies then soon after. I'm going to say there were two genres, in my opinion, <clears throat> that. It's um, that you kind of, I don't want to say you have to do physical, but like there are two genres in particular that I think are so laser sighted and niche that there's the market for it. And it's an avenue that may not be as effective as much. That is uh, classic anime. Mm-hmm. The, the, and then I would say people who are into collecting horror. Right. You know? Cause yeah. Cause I mean, I, I literally, I literally just ordered like uh, two days ago, I ordered the um, the UK 4K UHD version of uh, Dawn of the Dead, like the original Dawn of the Dead. Oh, really? Because this was like a really, really good set, and it's probably never coming to America. Um, and may I ask you something? This is hmm. what, what format? Uh, 4K, 4K UHD. Uh, d- that's not region locked. No, because 4 4K discs are not region locked. I thought we should. Oh, I didn't know that. It, it it got less and less. So DVD days, like there were a ton of regions, right? Yeah. And then Blu-ray days, uh, America and Japan were in the same region. Um, and there was like three regions, I think, or so for for right. Blu-ray. There were like seven, six or seven for DVD, like three for Blu-ray, and now there's just one region for 4K discs. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you can get the nice thing is if you find something on 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 a four K disc, you can get it from anywhere. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So you got the Dawn of the Dead a limited UK set. Yeah, uh, which is really pretty pretty cool. And it's like it's been tough for me because it's just like I've got that on Blu Ray, right? And it's it's like on one hand, I'm like, do I really need to upgrade my Blu Ray to a four K disc? But the other side of it is, this really feels like the final physical format we're going to have for movies. Right. Right. And so it's kind of like, okay, the, the 4k UHD, like this is the chance to just get the best quality version I can get mm-hmm. going forward. And the, the 4k discs are, are not always big releases and they're they They can go out of stock very easily and they could just be gone. And it's like, if I don't get that, like that might be my last chance to get this movie right. physically. So if it's something I love, it's like maybe I should just get the best version and have that going forward. I have to ask you something stupid before I tell you the four, the one 4K movie I have on pre-order right now. But you said, so you got Dawn of the Dead? Mm-hmm. So I always mix these up. So I ha- um, the horror scene that I always remember... <laughs> is the one of the dead movies where the guy's in the elevator or whatever and he's trying to reload his six the his six shooter his pistol and then this lower half of his body gets ripped in half you know the one i'm talking about it's like a famous scene because what is it there's dawn i think it must be day of the dead yeah that's you know not, that's not dawn because the dawn elevator scene um yeah, this would have been in the 80s, I believe, early 80s. The main part of Donovan scene is like Flyboy 
is that where he comes out of the elevator turned as a zombie? But he's got his legs still, so it wouldn't be him. No, you you definitely remember. Yeah, that's like the scene. I was I was young when I saw it. Obviously, I shouldn't have been seeing it, but yeah, I always remember the guy's lower half of his body's like intestines coming out, and he's trying to reload the gun. Mm. That might be day. I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen day. I've only seen day like once or twice. I don't even like talking about. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I don't even like talking about my. I don't want to say scariest, like, to me it was so disturbing, but what's your, uh, what's your most disturbing or one of your most disturbing horror movies? From a kid, as a kid, or just total? Just in general, I don't care. <sighs> Man, like, just, I, I would have to think about that, because like, because like, as a kid I remember, I remember I watched aliens when i was pretty young oh and that messed me up <laughs> i know the one that messed me up the most like i hate i don't even i don't even like mentioning it is I, I don't even like thinking about it because <laughs> <sighs> like, like, i i because I, I, I was like i loved like the the nightmare on elm street movies as a kid yeah no this is free watched- this is yeah no i say yeah the nightmare on elm street and uh friday the 13th i, I used to love uh I mean, I'll say it once. I mean, I hit. You ready? Mm-hmm. Basket case. I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that uh. one. Oh, well. Um, my suggestion, and here's the thing: Have I seen more graphic or worse? Absolutely. Like it's. I'm not. I'm not sitting here telling you it's going to be the like the most horrific or scary horror movie you've ever seen. That's not. It's just just at the time. You have to take into consideration the time. Mm-hmm. It's such a uh. now the irony is because that my uh, you know my other longtime best friends here that know me out here you know obviously we all share stories like you and I share stories and so they know all my ins and outs so I remember like twenty years ago you know they got their jollies and one of my buddies he's like oh he's like look at what I rented and it was Basket Case two hmm. and I was like oh Jesus I'm like really. <laughs> So I sat down and watched it, but here was the kind of the twist of irony. And by the way, I'm not suggesting you see this either. The biggest twist of irony was that the first one was just really like, it it was a horror movie, Mm -hmm. right? The second one in ways was kind of trying to be more comedic. I mean, the movie was, I mean, it was another just effed up, messed up movie, but, uh, Anyway, I would say besides that, I always bring this up. You're probably sick of hearing this. You know, uh, the uh, Creep Show mm-hmm. was another one that the you know the one with the old guy in the apartment, right? Um, and then uh, oh, like freaked me out as a kid. I'll tell you a horror series that I did not see that I've never actually sat through it. Um, but I remember it being really graphic and ahead of its time, and I I did want to see it. I've never actually sat through Hellraiser. Yeah, I've never seen the full thing of any of those. Those were wicked for the time. Yeah. Where, didn't they have like unrated versions? <sighs> Man, see, you've got me wondering now. Like, what what horror did I... I remember one of the weirdest stories for me, horror-wise, was we actually went... Do you know the Five Faces of Death Oh, it's so funny. I was going to mention that next. Because we we actually went and watched one of those in the theater. 
No, get away. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Time out. Now, that threw me off guard. I remember seeing those for years in the late 80s and 90s on select video store shelves. Not all video stores would carry it. What the hell theater? When was this? Oh, God. I don't know what year it would have been. or which, California? Which, no, no. It was here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, no way. But it was like, it was like I think it was the... So, for, I, for the zero listeners who are in Omaha, uh, <laughs> we have a, a mall called Westroads Mall. And it used to have like this really small, weird little movie theater in it um right. and they would show some like random stuff and i think it, that thing that's where i went and saw it and it was a thing where like if you stayed the entire movie you got this little certificate at the end it's like i oh, sur- like that you were able to stomach i survived five faces of death or something like that yeah was it how wait a minute was it all the volumes back to back no it was just like it was one of them but i don't know okay i think it was the one if anybody's seen it yeah. Um, and I, I guess this could be all of them, but was there only one of them that had like the, uh, the person like drawn and quartered by horses? Like that's, that's the one that I, that's one oh, I Jesus. saw. I don't, I, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, you, you got me there. I don't remember that. Yeah. So um, if anybody if, if ever seen Five Faces of Death, like that's the one that, uh, and I, I don't, I don't ever know, like, were those things like real? Were they like So it's so funny because or... I looked into that years. It's, it's very funny you say that with the internet and, uh, I've heard mixed things. There are some people and you know, who's to say, but some people say some of them were legit. Some of them say it was really good. Uh, whatever it is, homemade effects. Then there were some people, there's always, you know, those people that are like, Oh, I can't believe, Oh, that was so fake, you know, but is it, is it wait? Is it called face? Is it just faces of death or the five? Like I thought the well, one. Well, this is confusing saw. because I think there's faces of death, and then I think there was another knockoff or something. Traces of death. Yeah. No. I it, it might have been. I don't know if it was, was if if five faces of death was like the fifth one or something like that. But I, it, might, it might have been faces of death. But then yeah, that's the series that I saw. The um, one, the famous, and I'm not. I won't get. I don't know if I actually saw this one, but the one, the one a lot of people always talk about is like when the bear gets the. The two people in the woods. I want. I don't know. If that's the one I we saw. The one I, I don't even want to say. Well, who, I mean, who, like, everybody, I guess, is an adult listening to the, the one I always kind of remember is where they're eating like the the monkey brains. So this says this says that the uh, Face of Death Five was a compilation of Face of the Death and Face of Death Four. So I wonder if that's oh wow that might have been the one that we saw because that this was so this was uh, ninety five, which would make sense for mm. how old I was. So maybe we called it five faces of death, but it was faces of death five. Um, I think, I think that's one. I think that, that's the one I saw in in um, mm. theater. But anyway, yeah, it was it was always a question of like, is this real? Is it fake? Is some of it real? Is some right. of it fake? You know, like it was it was. But yeah, like think now, like think about in two thousand twenty three, like you're 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 gonna say you're literally on the same wavelength <laughs> as me. I think I know what you're gonna are you say. Gonna go watch. Are you gonna, is your local theater gonna be showing like? You know, like right next to the Barbie movie, like Face of Death, you know, I don't know. Oh, well, I, I thought you were going a different direction. Oh. So here's the kind. It's so funny how the world works because. And, and I don't mean this. I don't want this to be taken. Around, you know how things we try to be more appropriate now and respectful of others. And, and I'm not being sarcastic. You know what I mean? But it's so weird how the world has tried to evolve and change in a better way in that respect. But then it's like. In order to see something like a Faces of Death or something that was unrated back in the day, it was like, 
whoa, like you really either had to go out of your way or know somebody right. or go to a certain store. And then it's like as as much as we try to advance and evolve 30, 40 years later, within 15 seconds, I can find you can find the most disgusting thing on the Internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really weird. But I mean, I mean, I mean, like, just like like at a local theater, I feel like carrying that now. Oh. would have so many like protests and complaints <laughs> so quickly right you know where i mean uh you know like books are being banned because like it's got, like a cartoon ass in it or something like that now right and it's like god can you imagine like a a supposed snuff film being shown in your local theater <laughs> especially now like all the like most theaters like these big mega complexes and stuff it's crazy yeah uh, let me ask you this to wrap up the horror thing, not to stay on this. I got to ask because you're such a big uh, Silent Hill fan. Did you ever go out of your way to get any of like those Italian horror movies that influenced Silent Hill? No, I think the only like I'm I've seen like not much horror wise. I think a buddy of mine's got them all. I'm surprised. I would have thought because I because I don't I don't watch. I think the reason is I tend to. Like I I do like Japanese horror just because it's more like a psychological thing. Uh-huh. Um, I don't I don't go for like the just kind of gory stuff. It is funny you say that. So a lot of my more horror days were in my younger years when I shouldn't have been watching it. But I'm more with you in that as I got older. I like the more psychological stuff, and some of it isn't even arguably horror. But boy, I got to tell you, you know who I think is the best at some of that? Hmm. The South the Koreans. Yeah, they've got stuff I need to like. I I have there's a lot of stuff I know that I haven't seen from from there that I need to like. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the original okay. Old Boy? Uh, okay, so I I have seen one Italian horror movie. I guess it's it's guess it's kind of horror. Um, because I guess it, it was originally Italian. Uh, it's a, well, it's a com- okay, it's a comedy horror, I guess. But uh, Cemetery Man. Oh, okay. Stella Moore, okay. Stella Moore. Yeah, so that's that's one that I've I've liked for a long time. So I guess like it, I I like stuff like that or like Evil Dead like I like the comedy horror stuff but I haven't gotten much mm-hmm. into like the actual like horror horror stuff. Mm-hmm. I know because I I, I, like, the... I tend to not get scared by that kind of stuff. I like I like the stuff that's kind of freaks me out. So that tends to be the more like psychological. If we had this conversation, stop me. You know what movie? And I haven't seen it in twenty years, so it's like I couldn't even. Uh get into great detail right now if i if i had to but do you know what movie messed me up for days and this is not horror by the way this is actually based off a true story you know what movie mentally messed me up for like a week after i saw it like around it was in the early 2000s hmm. monster which was the movie with oh, uh, Char- yeah have you seen that no yeah that that one and then oddly another one that kind of messed me up a little bit mulholland drive I haven't seen that either. I, 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 I've been to Mulholland Drive, and I've never actually seen Mulholland. <laughs> you, you know what's so funny talking about this is I am – there are so many movies I have never seen before. Like so many, so many classics, so many legendary ones, so many staples that I've never seen. But there's um, – I don't know if you know that there's a online game where it's like it shows you like six screenshots from a movie – Okay. You're trying to guess. It's called Framed. You're trying to guess like what movie it is. Okay. Like there's like a video game version where it's like 
like here's six screen screenshots from the game like can you figure out what game this is right <laughs> and so like they start from like the most obscure shot to like a shot that you'll probably recognize um and i am for as many movies as i have never ever seen i am a master at that game somehow really because like i i i recognize movies visually but i've that i've never seen and and mm. let me go real quick and see like what my stats are because so like you get said so you get you get six <laughs> guesses um where's my stats so i've i've played 356 games of it i've won 287 my win rate is 80 percent. but that's amazing 75 of my wins have been on the very first screenshot wow so like for some reason i'm amazing at guessing what movies are but i've never seen them <laughs> meanwhile the, the video game version of that i completely suck at really i cannot hey gvgp fans this is a quick addendum to episode 55 molly and i felt this was very newsworthy as one of our favorite companies of classic retro hardware analog had a series of updates and announcements over the past couple days so we felt we kind of chime in here get our thoughts out on this while things were fresh and hot and uh kind of a pseudo welcome back here so uh what's on your mind molly yeah because you need to get in right now if you order within the next two days you'll get in the first group of people to get their their new analog product in 2027 so <laughs> make sure you get that pre-order in no uh yeah it's it's like i mean i feel like analog news comes rarely enough that if we didn't do this addendum and get it into the show now we might not talk about it so yeah it was interesting and kind of wrapping back around to the 2027 joke one of the things i'll have as a refresher here that we've probably touched base on a bit in the past is the analog duo uh and funnily yeah. a, an article i have is printed from three years ago uh when that first debuted but nonetheless back to molly's point back on social media a couple days ago while usually the News is slim pickings. They had no less than four bullet points, uh, including everything from the analog duo shipping the end of this year, analog pocket adapters to ship by end of year as well, an OS and operating system update 2.0, uh, as well as some further support uh, for the analog dock uh, and pocket coming early next year, and then as well as the... Uh, Analog 3D, I believe, which is their essential incarnation of the N64. So there's a lot to unpack there. I'll breathe here for a moment and kind of let Molly pick and shed some light on where she wants to start. Yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest thing is the, the Analog 3D, which to me is a little bit of a weird name to give it because it's, it's not the first 3D console. Right. So, I mean... I, I I know you can't just call it the analog sixty four. Right? I was about to but say like, that, but yeah, I'm assuming it might be too close for comfort with some maybe legal action. Yes, because because for for anybody who hasn't noticed, like their names typically reference the consoles right. without outright because the the mega the mega SG is obviously mega for Mega Drive and SG for Sega. The Super NT is obviously Super Nintendo and the NT is Nintendo. 
So like I I I don't know. Like it it's just it's I don't really care that much, you know. I'm not saying you call it like the three D N T or something weird like right. that, but it's it is it is interesting that they went with three D for the sixty four when that's like if I think of a three D console, I guess I think PlayStation, the original yeah. one. Because that was the first console to really be focused on 3D. Right. You know, because Saturn was kind of like originally meant to be more of a 2D powerhouse and then had to get the stuff to do 3D. So, yeah, I mean, and it's 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 funny that Analog announces their N64 console the exact same year I finally decide to sell my original <laughs> N64. So, I it's... I don't. I don't know. Like I think, I was gonna say this is the first one I won't get, but I I never got their original crazy Neo Geo console. I never got their NES one because it was just way too expensive. Um, but in terms of, like the more modern kind of price affordable consoles they've done, uh, or hardware, I should say. Period. This might be the first I don't get, and and there's part of me that's like. It would be nice to have in case I ever do want to go back to N64, but I don't know. I just like, that's the one console that I've kind of decided I probably really don't need. So before we talk about it at all, like, do you have any interest in this? No. No, I, I gave you, I, I gave you a blunt statement as to not run around in circles. My personal answer and it's not a slight on the N64. Short answer, N-O, no. Now, mm-hmm. that said, kind of like we've said privately, I do feel this is going to be a hot item, and it could be one of their best sellers. Yeah. Uh, the reason I say that is because we're getting to that point. We've discussed this in the past of you know things come in time and generations, and I feel the people of a certain age now, you know, probably in their, I don't know what, 30s, mid-30s, because you and I are a little bit older you know, kind of our uh, our fandom for the most part is 16-bit, you know, the advent of CD-ROM, you know, like with the, the Duo Mega Drive here. And, you know, that arguably actually goes back to the late 80s. We've been playing longer than that, but that was kind of our heyday. I feel there's a generation about a decade past that, which encompasses the Nintendo 64. All of that said, I will say this on a positive note. It is amazing to have an offering like this. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. As we have both learned in our buying and selling and rebuying in the, the past decade, decade and a half, we start to think of things like we never did before. Now, arguably, the N64 is is kind of built like a tank because it is cartridge-based, not disc-based, but there are still issues that can occur. Dying chipsets, just wear and tear. That hardware is now pushing 30 years old. So I feel no matter what, a console like this is a positive uh, for people who still have collections. So great all around. Why I say no, I don't have any N64 titles anymore. I sold off my N64 in the early 2000s. Uh, I can't see diving back into that again from scratch. I don't want to dive back into that for financial reasons, having something else to track. Simultaneously, uh, as Molly and I both, while we we are hardcore Sega fans at the heart and more obscure, uh, you know, Japanese retro files, 
you know, we are switch fiends, and I would make an argument for the most part, or I'll speak for myself because I know you're not a big Mario 64 fan. But whether it's by way of my Switch or even Nintendo 3DS, a lot of the top-tier N64 titles I want, like Ocarina of Time, Mario Mm -hmm. 64, I already have in one form or another. There is the N64 Virtual. I still call it the Virtual Console. I know that's very incorrect. (laughs) Right. The app, which I don't have. There's that option. You know, there would all, I could count on one hand how many titles that I don't currently have that I would want to revisit. Uh, here's a random one. One of those being like Wave Race 64. And I'm assuming, I don't, is that on the N64 app on Switch? It, it, might, it might be. There's a few. So here's the deal. I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes. I'm not going back for the Banjo series, even though I know those are true classics. Perfect Dark is something that I know was the spiritual successor to 007. But here's the thing. There are Xbox owners out there that have the ability for that on Rare Replay. I've already been there, done that. And here's the thing. Let's face it. There are certain classic titles that age like fine wine. Uh, This may get some jeers, but stuff like 007, which is a true classic, Perfect Dark, those really haven't aged well. Yeah. So, and here's the thing. We have the ability for Turok right now on all modern consoles, which I did not rebuy. So that's kind of my long-winded explanation. So will I buy, will I be diving into this three three hundred fifty bucks in with zero games and starting from scratch? No way. <laughs> I, I I I was gonna have a good follow up and and then I just realized and this is completely embarrassing. Um, Analog uh, on their product page for Analog 3D, they have uh, reference quality recreations of specific modes. CRTs and PV and wait wait reference quality recreations of specific models yeah okay so a specific model CRTs and PVMs so they're saying that this is going to have the ability to recreate the look of right. certain televisions and certain but they have CRTs as CRT apostrophe s and PVM as PVM apostrophe s apostrophe s is not how you make words plural <laughs> and if you're a company you should know that if you're somebody some yahoo posting on twitter or whatever that's fine this is a professional company come on man anyway okay so i i, I don't care about this the only part of me that would care is that part of like maybe i should have something to play every console's games for the future but i have tried to get past that a little bit and that's why I tried to take the step of selling my N64 this year. But for anybody who does care, I think this is going to be a really cool console because unlike the NES, unlike the Super Nintendo, unlike the the, the PC Engine TurboGrafx, unlike the Genesis Mega Drive, um, all of those, ha- we've had tons of ways to play those games right. for years, right? Tons and tons of ways. N64 really hasn't had a lot of options. We are getting more options now, like you just talked about with the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass thing, um, expansion pack, whatever it's called. Uh, there is there is that. There is the Mister that, that is finally getting some decent N64 um, playback. But for the most part, if you wanted to play N64 games, you had to go get an original console. If you wanted to play them in any and then close to to correctly so having this out there 
is going to be really neat. And we know this thing is going to get hacked, um, unofficially officially hacked, so you can play ROMs off of it. You know, so if you do care about the N64 and you want a way to play it going forward, if you want a good option for playing in HDMI and on, on more modern televisions, this is going to be an amazingly cool piece of hardware. And so I'm I'm glad it exists for those who care. I am a little surprised that we're getting this before some other options. Yeah, are you, you alluding know? to PlayStation? Can, yes. can I give you my theory on that? Because I 100% agree. I feel like the time for PlayStation is right. About, I mean, let's look at it this way. Timeline-wise, the N64 came out approximately two years after the PlayStation, so it's not an age thing. PlayStation is ready to be re-released, and I will say, I know I keep moving the pylon, so to speak, and I haven't bought any of these consoles yet. I will definitely be in on a PlayStation. Why am I so quick to say that? It's not so much being a PlayStation fanboy. It's because I still have my collection. So I'll start with that. Mm-hmm. Right. My theory on this is why they haven't done it yet. And I don't know if this is greed. Could they potentially kill two birds with one stone and delay it a couple, let's say two years realistically, because when they announce it, do you think they might try to do PS2 and PS1 in one fell swoop? Well, that's, that's one of the questions, you know, and, and I, I do wonder if maybe because the, du- the, the Duo is their first console with an uh, optical drive right. in it, so maybe they want to just try that first and make sure everything goes okay with it before they move on. That is the question, though, um, is, is are they going to do a PS1 and then a PS2 separately, or are they going to do just a combo unit? Can you even like? Can you at this point with the? Because I guess one of the questions I'm not sure if this has been answered yet is, um, because I can't remember. I think it's a Cyclone something something that the the FPGA chip they're using for the previous consoles. Mm-hmm. Like I think they might have to be going with a more powerful version for this in order to do N64. I'm not positive. I don't know if we've gotten confirmation on that, but I guess the question then is like. Maybe they can only do PS1 right now. Like maybe they couldn't even do PS2. Or are they going to wait and see if they can do PS2? You know, is N64 feel like this the, the more logical thing? Are they doing N64 now because they see the writing on the wall that maybe there are going to be more N64 options in the future mm. coming and they want to get Cash it before now. too many of those hit? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um well, I, I definitely would like a PS2 or 1 because I don't have a PS1 anymore, uh, which which I do regret. Reason for that being, and uh, I can't stress this enough, when you're younger, and we're going back over 20 years, you're not thinking like this. So like mm-hmm. when the PS2 came out, it's backwards compatible. I'm like, oh, I can use the money, get more yeah. games. I don't need a PS1 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. PS2 I still have is a Japanese version launch, and I know when I boxed that thing up several years ago when I was done with it for the time being. I know my CD drive in there was going. So yeah. long story short, if they can put out a system that plays PS2, PS1, region-free, and visual options, filters, with the collections I have for those two, that is a very worthy slam dunk, even if I don't wind up buying any more PS1 and PS2 games, because I could use the rebirth of a new, fresh console. Mm-hmm. So, but... um that said, before we move on from the Analog 3D, I'll just read a couple excerpts. 
I won't read the whole thing of an article online. Analog 3D announced enhanced console will play every N64 game in 4K. I don't remember the site I got this from, but I'll, I'll cite the source Taylor Lyles. I don't like just reading other people's work without crediting it. Uh, the Analog 3D is essentially the most advanced version of the N64, featuring 4K resolution, which Analog's Christopher Tabor says allows uh, the company to create incomprehensibly profound original display modes. That's what Molly was alluding to earlier. Analog 3D will also include support for wireless Bluetooth and include four original-style controller ports, meaning you can dust off your wired N64 controllers, play the old-fashioned way. The company confirmed that it has partnered with gaming peripheral maker 8BitDo to make a wireless controller for the console. Unfortunately, which, 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 by the way, can we point out that those two companies are are owned by the same people? I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that, that's my analog. That's why uh, is, you keep. I didn't know that. That's why you keep seeing uh, those pro- analog hmm. pushing the 8BitDo stuff. Uh, they, they they did not provide a full look at the console or controller. It provided teasers. Yada yada. I'll move on. As expected, the analog 3D will feature 100% compatibility for every N64 cartridge, regardless of region. Which is a big but deal. it will not play copyrighted ROM files. Which they always <laughs> they say on everything, but then no. then you get the 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 jailbreak version <laughs> of the OS, which basically is made by the exact same people. Nor will the device include support for OpenFPGA, a software available on the analog pocket that was designed to preserve video game history. Which is – go ahead and then we'll talk about – we'll uh, I'm going to skip a paragraph and then I have a question for you on something you just said that you, you threw me a curveball. Nevertheless, there's been no modern device that would allow Nintendo fans to dust off and play their favorite N64 game cartridges natively. With the only other option to play the N64 games on a CRT TV or find an HDMI adapter compatible with the N64 console, Analog 3D is launching sometime next year. Now I'm going to rewind here real quick. Uh, When I said, but it will not play copyrighted ROM files, then you mentioned the jailbreak version, and then behind the scenes, it's essentially the same people who are going to put that allegedly allegations. What makes you say that? That, 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 that's how it works. So are you I mean, saying there's it, people quietly under anonymity behind the scenes? I mean, I don't I don't know that it's Kevtris. Kevtris is the main person who handles the the FPGA mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know that it's Kevtris himself doing it, but um, after after every analog console in, in recent memory has come out, then soon after there has been a uh, a jailbreak version of that same... <laughs> Firmware that that lets you play ROMs, and it's 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 always coming from the exact same source, and it is it's one of those like just just unspoken secrets that is it's it's from them. May I ask you? Uh, and I don't want you to lose your train of thought. So if you want to get out what you're going to say first, do so. No, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to ask you something that's really splitting hairs, and I may sound naive or ignorant, but you know I have a much better grasp of this stuff over the years, and the older you get, and all the YouTube videos. Okay, I got a question. When okay, the 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 point of a lot of these systems, and I'm not this isn't picking on analog or, or anything like that. The point of getting these retro cons these high grade retro units mm-hmm. is to obviously play your products in original form, the actual CDs or cartridges. 
But then simultaneously, you'll see something just for just for sake of conversation. You'll see like an EverDrive, or you'll see an SD card with quote the original ROMs data, whether it be off websites of yesteryear or people ripping stuff. When you see individuals use what we call these essentially original hardware, then playing EverDrives or ROMs off carts in these units to in their quote original form. Two things. Is there anything lost? Let's make believe. Let's say we have the analog 3D right now. And I pop in Mario 64, my original cartridge, and we spend the afternoon play it. We have a blast and we shut it off. And then tomorrow we jailbreak it and we pay, play the Mario 64 ROM running off an SD card or, or some, some other form of memory. Is there any difference between the cartridge at that point and the ROM running it on this hardware? No. I mean, I mean, the only exception would be, the, the, there's two real exceptions. The first would be um, that cartridge have a battery backup, and obviously you have to do battery backups a different way for games like that. Um, which there are definitely solutions that, that you can have. Right, I'm not worried about on, that. Right, on, keep going. You know, the the other one is just um, this is the most the biggest problem. This for this would be the Super Nintendo. Um, some some NES is do those games have like booster chips in them that that may or may not be emulated uh, through the EverDrive or whatever? May I ask something else? Mm-hmm. With something like the Analog 3D or the Duo or the Mega. And I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do these chipsets or form of FPGA or circuitry, is it the most advanced and superior version on the market? Or, and I hate to be this guy because you know I'm not PC Master Race, with the exception of true collectors and those in the market for the actual product, at this point, what is the difference then? And I say this because of the EverDrive option or ROM option. What's the difference between running it on something like this and a high-end calibrated PC? <clears throat> yeah, so the, I mean, the, there's, a, there's a few differences. Um, I mean, the, the, the one thing is when you run it on a computer, mm-hmm. you're always having to use software to emulate all the things hardware to fool it into thinking it's running on original hardware now there are times when doing that will get you a much better experience even at this point for example you can emulate the switch and you can use that to like up res the the textures and the resolution and things like that you know um when i was running some of the emulators on my xbox series x for example, playing uh, Ridge Racer on PSP, you mm-hmm. know, that looked amazing really? in that because I had the resolution go, uh, it it's scaling resolution like three times. So, and then it would like uprising the textures and everything. And it looks really, really good. But at the end of the day, that's always going to be software emulation. And there can always be issues with certain things that just won't or or maybe for now cannot be 
or possibly can never be as accurate. Um, one good example of something that's always been hard to do or hard to get right has been uh, audio for Genesis mm-hmm. games. You know, so you, if you just want to play games, if you just want to play games, your PC is totally fine. Um, for for I mean, N sixty four has been hard, right. N sixty four is still pretty rough on PC, from my understanding. You know, but but for a lot of older systems. You can always play. You might have answered my <clears throat> question and how you explained it finally after all this after all this time, meaning months and a couple of years I've been thinking about this. So for lack of a better analogy, whereas on PC it's running software to fool it into thinking it's running on original hardware, is it safe to say that even though you may be running ROMs or data – instead of the true cartridge on the analog, because the analog is not run through software, the... Okay, here, let me see it yeah. this way. Okay, so you're you're an English speaker, yeah. right? And you want to talk to somebody who's Japanese. Right. So software emulation is as if you found somebody who speaks English and speaks Japanese, and you use him as a translator for your conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you always have that middle person there who's having to translate everything back and forth. You, if you want something to a Japanese person, you have to tell that person in English, and that person translates it in their head to Japanese, and then says in Japanese to that person, and then back and forth and back and forth. So something like what Analog is doing is it's it's rewriting your brain to that of a Japanese speaker's brain so that then you, even though you're not a native Japanese speaker, then your brain has been rewritten so that you can speak in Japanese directly to that Japanese person. That's kind of like how to think about it is with software emulation. There's always something in between that has to translate everything that's going on. Whereas the FPGAs, they are trying to make, like in, in, in the 3D, they are writing to the chip to make the chip think it is an N64. So that when you're playing a game, you are not playing a game emulated to run the N64's hardware commands. You are playing a game on a piece of hardware that now thinks for all intents and purposes it is an N64. I'm listening to you, and I'm looking for, uh, I'm just to hear, we'll be, uh, this is the nerdy, what is an FPGA? It's a, it's, uh, it's a field, field programmable, programmable gate array? Yeah, are, are yeah. semiconductor devices that are based around a matrix of configurable logic blocks, CLBs, connected via programmable interconnects. What I'm assuming that means in English, though, is we're talking about actual traces and chipsets. You've got you've got a basic chip yeah. that can be that you're not hardware reconfiguring it, but you're data reconfiguring it to make said to make it think that it is another piece of hardware. Okay, so and that's what the so so if you if you know the Mister Project and and if you also know the Analog Pocket, right? Because the Analog Pocket has two FPGAs in it. Um, like my analog pocket, I have, um, 
so you have to get the and I don't I'm I'm thinking the core. Mm-hmm. You have to get the core, right? So I have cores in my pocket for Game Gear, uh Genesis, mm-hmm. Super Nintendo, NES. And if I play in those games, it's rewriting the chip inside the hardware to make it think it is whatever which one of those consoles. Okay, so it's essentially one. thinking it's a one to one, this is the real deal hardware. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yes. Now obviously that works as well as the skill of the person who who is who's writing creating that, code. that the FPGA, yes. this whoever has that, that skill set or that task. Yes. So are you saying not to keep going down this rabbit hole, or are you saying arguably there are some developers or programmers out there that could technically have a superior or lesser FPGA than someone else, like if this was like a homework or project? Yes, yes. and so the, the person that Analog works with is a person called Kevtris, and he's he's very famous for being able to do this kind of stuff and know how to do it and write really good cores for these, these consoles. Mm. Um, but you've also got the thing out there called like the Mr. Project, and the Mr. Project... If you've heard I've seen, about I can that, picture, isn't it like capital M-I-S-T-E-R or something? Yeah, right, right. So so a lot of you out there might know what a Raspberry Pi yep. is, right? And so Raspberry Pi is basically a little, pe- a little device, a little mini computer you buy that the point a lot of people use it for then is to do software-based emulation of video games. It's powerful enough to do these certain lists of consoles and handhelds. You put your ROMs on there, and then it's emulating software-wise. It's Linux-based as well, isn't it? I no, no. It's it's actually. I don't think it's okay, Linux. Yeah, I, I think it's whatever the Pi, okay. the Pi, the Pi All stuff right. is. Because Raspberry Pi is technically its own hardware okay. and software platform. I do believe it's it was created to be a l- very very low cost computer option. All right. Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It could be Linux, but. Uh, so now the Mr. Project is doing that same kind of thing, the idea of this one little box that can play all your video games and you can hook up any kind of controllers or whatever too. But instead of being the software emulation, the Mr. Project has the the FPGA in there and then you reprogram it to whatever. It can be a console, handheld, really? computer system, whatever. How is that progressing and when it's finalized, where is that going to be available or what's the goal there? Oh, you can get one now. It's just it's just where the cores are at and which cores are finished and which cores are still in development and things hmm. like that. Um you can either like piece them together yourself or you can buy like completed kits. Hmm. They are they are a little pricey, but so okay, so here's kind of like the 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 line, right? Is if you just want to play these old games and as long as they're good enough, that's fine. You can get a PC. You can get something like a Retron 5. You can get a Raspberry Pi, things like that. Then the next step would be something like a Mister, where unless you're really getting into some crazy specific hardware expansion things, you're not going to be using original cartridges or discs at all on it. But you will be theoretically playing it accurate to what the original hardware was because of how those fpga cores are how it's done yes and also in the mister you're not going to have dedicated controller ports without getting kind of usb Uh dongles and expansions Uh and things like that and then the next step in authenticity would be like like analogs products where you've got the 
new hardware with the FPGA that's trying to pretend it's old hardware. You've got the old controller ports, and you've got the old cartridge or disk slot. Hmm. And then the most accurate would be original hardware, either with original cartridges or an EverDrive. Because at, at that point, you know, so I have the EverDrive Pro, the Mega EverDrive Pro, which handles uh, Genesis Master System Game Gear, I believe, and Sega CD, which is kind of the big one, too, on that. And if I play a game off my Mega EverDrive Pro and the original cartridge, it's the exact same experience either way. That's got to be awesome. I forgot about that Sega CD thing. You and I talked about that a while ago. D- dumb question. Have you tested that or messed around with that? <clears throat> oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And that, that's that's really nice just because Sega, T- Sega CDs are notorious for, for breaking down over time. Um, and also it helps with there being basically zero load times. Uh, it, it, it can't just like super, super fast load things because it might break games, but it's the load times much it's, – it's, it's faster. It's more consistent. And yeah, see, I'm I'm an idiot. If if I could go back in time, and I think I missed a boat. If hindsight, I should have probably bought at the very least the Mega, yeah, and then the Super NES one. But yeah, and 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 those are are gone, gone. But the kind of thought has been for a while is if analog is is working on an option that would be like a multi-console kind really? of really for like what 16-bit era maybe i mean i mean no, nothing's for sure but those but are like, gone as of right now right yeah like why are they completely discontinuing them you know instead of still filling orders now here's the catch i think part of the thing that stopped me at the time besides just getting into that because here's the deal I'm not going back buying those games and I have a lot of that stuff on modern console, but the only way to really play the stuff on there by way of ROMs would be on the EverDrive. No, no. I mean, I've got my, my super NT's jailbroken and I've got ROMs on there. Not to sound stupid again, but how uh, SD card. Oh, yeah, yeah. cause they have, they have SD card ports in order to, for you to upgrade the firmware anyway. Mm. And then you can just, jailbreak it and then put yeah, so the that, that, that's, there. That, I mean, I mean, you yeah. you do lose certain things, you know. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's like the same thing with like uh, the analog pocket, mm-hmm. right? Is technically, if you want to play Game Gear on that, they want you to buy the adapter right. and put cartridges in it, and or you could then buy the adapter and put an a, gen, a Game Gear EverDrive in there. Um, but I've got the just the other cores, and you do lose some of the niceties of the interface and things like that and there's a couple things we'll talk about real quick when we get to the analog os that come along with that yeah so we can but. we can uh we can slide into that so what's what do you have on the os because i did do a little homework before getting on uh getting online this evening but i didn't see any great detail on the uh, os 2.0 what do you have well i don't i don't i don't know if this is confirmed i don't know if i'm reading it wrong but one of the issues has been so if you get an analog pocket and you have like a, a Game Boy cartridge, for right. example, then the pocket has a ton of really nice display options for how it it shows you that mm-hmm. game. So, for example, if you want to just super crisp, super clear, modern looking uh, 
screen with like white background, chunky black pixels, you can do that. Or because of how high resolution the screen is, you could go so far as emulating a Game Boy screen with even like the little lines between the pixels and stuff. Okay, and right. The kind like of that wavy effect out, or whatever, kind of. Yeah, and the white, washed out green pea kind of look yeah. and stuff. Um, but the thing has been is that like if you do anything through the Open FPGA, which means you're allowed to put other cores onto that hardware, um, which they're not doing with the N64 thing, which is interesting because only the Pocket so far has been the one console where they've really encouraged you to put a bunch of other FPGA cores onto it. But if you do that and you play Game Boy game that way, you don't get access to any of those oh. cool screen filters. So one of the things they mentioned in the Analog OS 2.0 is something about screen filters. So I'm wondering if they're going to bring that those options to the open FPGA side as well. And how would you do the update? USB to computer and download? or uh... Yeah, you, 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 no, you put a, a SD card into your computer and then put oh. it in there and then put the SD wow. card into Oh, not bad. Yeah, the, the the one problem with the, the open open FPGA stuff is that, um, and part of this announcement is that the other pocket adapters are going to be shipping by the end of the year, and that is Neo Geo Pocket, TurboGrafx, Turbo Express, technically, you know, and Lynx. And the problem right now is that there's no good. Open FPGA cores for either Neo Geo Pocket or Lynx, so I currently can't play those currently on mm. it. And so I'm hoping those come once <clears throat> those adapters come, because that's kind of like the the missing piece to the the Pocket in terms of like emulating handhelds. Right. <clears throat> wow. Let's see here. I'm just going to look at this list here. Well, yeah. So the question, while you're looking, yeah. the question basically, real quick, is um, why is only the pocket the piece of hardware they're pushing to be the kind of everything system, everything hardware? So you're saying why? And, well, isn't so you're saying they could have something bigger up their sleeve on a on a console? Uh, yeah, that's the question. Like, are are they are they kind of saving that for? Because, you know, like, if you look at, like, a Retron system, right? The Retron plays, like, a variety yeah, of... Yeah, there's the other one, the name, like and it's NES, embarrassing. Super I talked NES. about it for years. The one I wanted to buy, and I, I got cold feet. There is another one on the market that is of a higher quality. What's the one I'm thinking of? Oh, the Pond yes. Mega. So if yeah. they got into that, they, <clears throat> it, would, it would essentially be a competitor to the Poly Mega, correct? Right, it, yeah. So that's the question. It's, it's like, are are they looking to... To replace the like thing that the Mega SG and the Super NT with like an all-in-one system, mm. and then would that be where we get the OS that can do all the open open FPGA cores? Or, or and I gotta say, it? I feel bad for the Poly Mega people because they worked so hard on that thing for years, and I don't know what the numbers are, but I, you know, do you ever hear anyone talk about the Poly Mega? <laughs> I, other than Heather Ann Campbell, yeah, I, who we both know. I don't know if I've ever known anybody. Who it's sad because it's not. Look, we've all heard of the Retron. We've seen the stuff at local stores, all the oddball stuff that's cruddy. 
Um, I thought the I really thought the Polymega was going to get some traction. Do you think in a weird way it could be victim of timing as well? Like we're just well, they're also doing that weird app thing now, right? Yeah. Where like they want they want you to do all their emulation on your computer oh, through an app, really? Which is just doing basic PC. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I thought I had promised because what they were going to have, they had like the dashboard, you get the the graphical icons uploaded, dump your disc or whatever on there. Anyway, I I feel bad for them. Yeah, it it was a really neat idea when back when, because they were originally going to use FPGAs and it was a cool idea then, but it's, it's basically just a fancy Software I think you might. I could be making stuff up. I think you might've commented on that because didn't they back out of the FPGA thing? I yeah. think you yeah, I mean, said something like that was probably not a, a good idea. Yeah, because I mean, it's 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 all software emulation. Yeah, you did so say it's, that. It's nothing you can't do. It it's a fancy box that you can plug cartridges into and control. Yeah, into. you did say that. But other than that, it's just all just software emulation. Mm. Mm. It is on sale. Uh, you can get the Lux bundle now for eight hundred dollars instead of eight hundred and sixty-five dollars. What? And that $800 gets you um, the base unit, the NES unit, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, and the PC. I had a terrible joke. I was going to ask if that came with the full five Irem collection. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, get, you, get, you get two of the, two of the five. Oh, boy. Randomly <laughs> picked. So, well... Well, so you're in... Uh, it sounds like, obviously, we've discussed the, uh, the 3D, so to speak, and so, you know, end of year 2023, we've got about 60 some odd days left. So, yeah, not long. So, it's got to be coming soon. So, that, that duo better be shipping. To yeah, me. it's got to be coming soon. soon. You know, I don't want to jinx this. They're still, they still got them up, and I still haven't pulled the trigger. I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking at this point. I can't, I don't know. I'm very eager to. I mean, look, look, this stuff is specialty. You know, um, my, for me, it really has been. This to me is the best way to buy a piece of hardware for a system that will last me for years to right. come. Because uh, I, I will, I will say on this show right here and right now, uh, my original Genesis is now dead. Oh really? I, I I took it like two months ago to a a local repair guy, and he's been working on it, working on it. And you got to a point where it's like, I, I just can't fix this. It's it's dead, dead. So my original childhood Genesis has died, even though I've been working to keep what, it alive. What um, did they say? Was it the chipset's just burning out or it would? No, just, uh, just yeah, he, he, he even couldn't just figure out at this point, like all the easy fixes weren't working and stuff and all the things that he would, he knew weren't working. And he's like, it's, some, it's a deeper problem that just... At this point, it's gonna co- it would cost way too much to fix it versus just putting a new board into it. You know, what you could do at this point. Uh, obviously, you probably don't want to trash it and crush it. <laughs> you know, at this point, if it's truly dead and and nothing else to do, you could always uh, make a little project and like frame it and put it on the wall or something. That's exactly what I'm yeah. going to do with it. That's my exact plan. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. So I mean, like, my original Genesis has died. My Sega CD died. Um, I've, I've, but this does give credibility credibility to what we've been talking about the past couple of years with this. It's not just lip service that this is a real thing. 
So analog is really, truly preserving this in a way because, you know, these consoles can't be fixed forever. So I think that if your concern is I want to play games properly Mm -hmm. in the future, I think probably the Mr. is the best way to go. It is it is a more expensive. I don't I, let me let me say for a um it is more expensive to get into originally uh per I don't know if I can find a, how to purchase it. Um it, it it's, it's going to cost you more to to get into originally, but you will and I would actually wait a few more years just to kind of see how things shake out. But that would be a way that if your concern is just I want to play these games properly in the future, that's probably the best option because there are there are always cores coming to it. There are all these adapters for playing using the controllers you want to use, right. you know, and the displays you want to use, and that is not software emulation, so it's a more proper way to play the games. So that's your really your best choice mm-hmm. going forward. Um, but if for those things where you do have games or you do like the idea of that one console that plays that one console's games with that one console's controllers, then I, I do like the analog stuff as as a kind of safeguard going forward. But, you know, that they are expensive and it can get expensive to, um, you know, get that far with it. Yeah. So it looks like a mis- it looks like a Mister. If you want a case with it as well, you're looking at about six hundred and fifteen dollars. Wow, that's too. That's so. Again, yeah. Is that expensive? Yes. Yeah. But if you have that, you have basically ev- everything. Right. Hopefully, everything. Right. You, that's that's your. You know, you, you said you said you have no analog Mega SG or no Super right. NT, right? That's five hundred bucks right yeah. there, <laughs> right? Just for those those right. two things. No, I'm sorry. With shipping, probably like seven hundred dollars because of their overpriced shipping. Um, but I mean, I mean, they're getting to the point where Mister is having like a decent Saturn core on it. You know, so that's PlayStation, that's Saturn, N64 is coming along on there, NES, Master System, Genesis, PC Engine. Uh, the Super Nintendo, Atari, all the Ataris, computer systems, you know, Amigas, Commodore. God, that's all like on that. there too, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, God, por- portable, portables, of course, and things like that. Mm. So amazing. But you know, so I I ordered the Duo because I I do not have. I mean, I have. Um, I actually increased it by two games recently. I think. Uh, but my PC Engine collection. Is like 10 games or so. That's all I have. But I have for years and years wanted a PC Engine Duo RX. Right. And I just decided I'm never going to get one. And also I don't want to buy one and have to recap right. it. And then figure out how to play it on more modern television and stuff. So I bought my, I ordered the Analog Duo. Just so I could finally say I had that system. It's one of my favorite looking systems that I'd, uh, it was yeah. good. Yeah, it's a great looking system. Good. Yeah, but you know, said so, said so like so. If if you don't want to, if people anybody out there doesn't want to chase these analog pieces of hardware, especially if you don't have collections, like and and 
don't go thinking you're going to collect for old consoles at this point. It's a nightmare. Trust me. Trust me. As somebody who's doing it, trust me. I know. It's a nightmare. Don't don't think about it. You know, if there's a console you really, really love, um, like the N64, and you want to get this and you've got a collection or you want to just hack it and put the ROMs on there, then it's going to be a nice piece of hardware. But if not, honestly, at this point, I would just save towards a mister. Yeah, I'm assuming every. You know, it's funny. I would go to that awesome retro place in my town retro game trader i've talked about in the past and uh if you can believe it i haven't been in there now in about 18 months maybe a little longer and i like the place it's but i I just can't imagine even in the last year year and a half what what prices are and i still see beautiful stuff getting traded in i follow their facebook and social media they still get awesome stuff but yeah I'm, i'm afraid to even look at this point yeah and i mean and and it's it's like as somebody who gets into a lot of the Japanese side of of game collecting, like that's getting awful really? as well. Like and I've talked to people who are over there now. Um, but there's a there's a uh, a great guy on uh, God, what's his name? I want to find him real quick. Um, I follow him, Blue Sky, because he has his own little like game shop mm-hmm. over in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I should know who this person is. Anyway, you know, I was talking to him. So I was like, "Hey, how's how's Mega Drive?" Um, you know, because even like last year when I went, it was it was messy. But I was like, "Hey, how's Mega Drive?" You know, prices and stuff going now, and and he's like, "Prices are a mess. Stock stock is gone. Uh, you know, just just things are uh, Japan Retro Direct. Yes, mm, so Japan Retro it. Direct." dot uh o-c-n-k dot com so if you're looking for anything from japan the thing about his his store is um he has whatever he has found recently mm. so it's not like super super huge gigantic stock he's not like a play asia or anything right but he has i can tell you from knowledge he has very very decent prices like he he is he is absolutely making some money on top of what he's paying for these games, but he is ab- he is not like ripping people off with his right. prices. So if th- so if there is like Japanese games you're looking for, go check his his site out. You know, for example, like um, original Super Mario Brothers three for Famicom, he's got a copy here for like ten bucks. Wow. You know, or uh, uh, Fighters Mega Mix on Saturn for eight dollars. <laughs> but yeah i mean like it's 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 a nightmare so don't you know if if you have the collection and you want to get this analog stuff get it but if you don't have the collections and you're not gonna like jailbreak it just just I'll just re- yeah, I'll just say the big thing. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, Slim PlayStation Five coming soon. Uh, next time we record, I know it's been a while, but I, I think this is realistic. I know we always say, "Hey, we're going to be back in a couple weeks," and then we're back like uh, uh, ten years later. Yeah. I do realistically believe we will probably definitely record uh, before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So holidays are coming, so we'll get more into the Xbox leaks, Brooklyn uh, mid generation refresh. 
uh, Mario Mario RPG will be out by probably the next time we record. We're only a month out from Thanksgiving. Holiday Rush will be winding down to prep us for first quarter 2024. So all of that said, um, I will do a plug. Hey, we're on Blue Sky now. Yes. If anyone's – we're on that. We're still hanging in there on X, but only because we're forced due to some contacts we have and whatnot. But we, I can't wait to throw in the towel on that. And is it mollypatterson.com? mollylpatterson.com. So check out mollylpatterson.com. And I'm finally going to get around to the update that I've been promising that will come there. I've been lazy about that, but those are coming. So so check that out in the Walmart Game Center. I'm allowed to plug that, correct? Yep. Go to your work. So Walmart, Walmart Game Center. In the check game it out area, for free, get a free copy. Yep. Yeah, Molly L. Patterson. So with that said, as we conclude this 120-plus minute GVGP episode 55, we want to thank you fans for hanging in there, hitting the download button, giving us another chance. And with that said, for Molly and myself, Anthony, we'll catch you next time. ready